swim, Mr. Crack Spider. I swim, Mr. Crack Spider. Flat Earthers in terms of their information warfare. And they made that link right into sort of up, you know, right before, right the rise of Trump and all of that. So it's sort of it's, uh, highly suspicious. It's super suspicious, man, because oh, I've, I mean, I've mentioned it a couple times before, but I remember just all of a sudden working with my buddy who's a fan, who pays, hangs out with the show, Terry, and he was like, so what do you think about this Flat Earth stuff? And I'm like, it just feels wrong. You know, it just feels wrong. And I remember, I never bought into it. I, I don't really care. It's, it's about, I don't, I don't buy the globe thing after all that stuff. You know that they presented or whatever too. So I'm not. Everything needs to be questioned. But the point is, is it felt like, I think it was probably 2017 we were talking about it, like early 2017. And then I want to say middle to late 2017 there was an actual. Uh, like Rasmussen or Gallup poll, which had all the demographics broken down of the people that actually believe in. in. And I, I was like, well, there's confirmation for me that this is just one giant, like, kind of psyop situation. Or for fun. You know, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's related to other kinds of psyops, actually, where it takes a really important um, concept and then creates a, sh a sort of purposeful shadow or toxic mimic of it. Like what you were talking about, everything should be... The good thing about flat Earth is it 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 it, it pushes you to be like, well, I'm I, I'm I believe that I know that it's you know globular or something like that. But how do I know that? Oh, you're told this. The scientists say this, and then so then it's actually a you know the important concept is to figure out uh, epistemology. It's like what? How am I grounded in what I know? How do I know what I know? And it sort of pushes you to think through that kind of stuff. And so then, so then you get, then you get past to just being doing reactionary epistemology, which is, oh, the, the guys that I know are basically lying about what we saw on TV on 9-11 are telling me that the, the earth is a globe. So it must be the opposite, or they're telling me the sky is blue. So it must be the opposite. And that's no way to do epistemology. So you actually have to then think through it on your own. And then you can come down to actually like, scientific based you can learn about the history of science and you can learn about how the globe was uh, conceived in the first place and then the mathematics of the trigonometry in northern egypt and then you can then look into the way that people navigate vessels and so you can do trigonometry in terms of that they have to bring in trigonometry in order to figure out which how to um, direct themselves and so you begin to sort of go through the process of figuring out how you know what you know if you respond to it appropriately. Right. And isn't that like kind of a zetetic or z where that falls into like the zeteticism, you know? I, I don't know what zeteticism is. It's, uh, well, I'll actually get the, the definition and we'll bring it up on the screen here. So it's zeteticism. I think this is the way you spell it. I've heard of it. I've heard of it before. Uh, like, I've heard of the the zetetic eye being a like a description of the way that like a, the flat Earth model looks like it's a 
like an eye sort of shape. And like the plane inside is like the the plane where your iris is on or something. And then, uh, I don't know, it's sort of like an holographic sort of description. So like interesting. The, the, the small and the large like sort of mirror each other, you know? Right. Above, so below. We got, so I would see it, but I'm not sure if that's what it means. We have a, the now, it's a noun, a historical branch of algebra concerned with the direct search for unknown quantities. I know that it's, it's a, uh, Criticism is actually kind of like you can't believe you, you the only way you have to experience it to be able to believe it kind of thing it's you know what i mean it's like an uh let's see <laughs> it's interesting huh it is it for sure is um let's see this oh proceeding by inquiry huh yeah here we go investigating here we go let's see what let's see what the real the rational minds at Rational Wiki, how they feel about it. It's an obscure English word. Okay. Yep. Proceeding by anchor. Yep. 19th century. It was used by Flat Earth. Okay. Advocates don't know who these people are. Um, but yeah, it's fascinating. Um, Pyrrhonism. Yeah. This is... Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to make of it, honestly. I mean, but that, that seems to be what... Uh, so many of them clearly, I mean, obvious flatter society stuff, but it seems to be what a lot of them, uh, how they fall back on it or what they fall back on. There we go. With no regards to hypothesis. That's interesting that that was. Yeah. I've also. But that sounds like a misdescription potentially of it because it, what it actually sounds like on the surface is it means the idea of testing your geometry out with practically that basically to me it sounds like just be your own scientist right be <laughs> believe your eyes no regards to any hypothesis it's kind of like you get into colloquial definitions where it, you know what i mean it's it's like well is this actually like with the germ theory and all that stuff and kind of you know but it's kind of like well what what are the theories that are actually what are laws do you know what i mean like it falls into this like what are what laws do we actually, scientific laws do we have in place? And I don't, I'm probably using the wrong lex, I, I don't have a lexicon for this necessarily, so forgive me. But um, do you know what I mean, though? It's kind of like yeah. uh, like disregarding things. Well, they're always saying, like, trust the scientists. Like, it's, it's, it's actually, that's what it, it, it's, uh, it's, because the motive behind that, of the good, let's say the good faith motive, not the weaponized political motive, but people who say that for good faith, what they actually mean is use science is actually really what they mean is like, they're like, pay attention, think, think scientifically is really what I think they mean to say if they were serious about that. Because right. science is a, is obviously it's a method. It's, that's, a, it's, and it's related to experience, experiment, experience. And that's crucial to it. And it, you know, the, the description of Zetetics there saying that the that it's based on it sounds like it's based on doing your own approach to experimentalism but not only the critique of it it sounds like is that that you approach it without a hypothesis which is the other key part of the scientific process is that you come up with a schema and actually it's interesting because people talk, sort of think through science as if it's like highly materialistic and grounded in the material world, but it starts with hypothesis. It starts with thought, actually pure thought in a way. 
maybe in relationship to your experience, but then you, then you make a hypothesis and then you do material experiment in order to see whether your hypothesis works. And actually it's a great method for all kinds of approaches to knowledge. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's like, um, I don't know necessarily when, when I've heard people arguing, um, I don't know if you've actually taken any arguments on the, um, on germ theory and all that stuff where they're basically just throwing, throwing it out the window, not throwing it out the window, but yeah, pretty much. Um, but then taking a dig, a deeper dive into it, I just get lost in the, uh, in a lot of the, a lot of the terminology used and it's kind of, it's just, but it'll whitewash over a lot of people too. Um, not whitewash my brain. Ugh. Um, but I don't know. I, I just, I find it fascinating that there's, at least there is a, a large group of people now, I guess that, that do question everything, regardless if they've had their paradigm shattered or not. Um, that's a positive thing, but then you, you go, we fall into those categories where, well, what's true, what's not. And that's the, I think that's the point just to have everything muddied up like this. Yes. So when we do, it does come time to question things. It feels like all of this was the last four years and it just really feels like they, not they, <laughs> somebody, no. <laughs> um, it, it just feels like the masses have been bombarded with questionable truths, I guess. I don't know what the right, that just feels right because everything just like skewed reporting. I mean, it, it just seems like perception-based, you know, insert here, insert narrative here. And this is how, the, this is the lens through which everybody will view this story. Um, clearly, I mean, with clickbaity headlines, you know, running with black, black or white officer shoots black, um, da, 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 six times. And then, you know, you open the article and it's like, wait a minute. He stole the cop's gun and uh, you know what I mean? It's just something absolutely ridiculous. So. Yeah. I mean, the beginning, the, the beginning of the COVID pandemic came with that, a lot of that, obviously in terms of, and it was the perfect moment for the destabilization of the proper approach of being skeptical and of questioning especially in relationship to motive. And then I believe undermining the powerful and practical approach to that so that those who questioned everything actually left their people in terms of their political people or their knowledge people or their news people exposed to the dangers of the reality by sort of leaving everything in does, is there even a, a virus that exists or does vi, do viruses exist? And, and then sort of a big focus on an attempt to basically portray that if people know people who are dying and things like that, then that must also then be part of some psychological operation. And then so that, that, you know, and then there's an aspect of this that then feels where for whatever reason, there's been a major over substantiation of impact on like people of color. And it's not clear exactly the reasons for that. Um, but so that I've, this whole time I've struggled with this question of, all right, early on people who questioned what was, what was going on took it down to its origins in relationship to bioweapons 
engineering yep. laboratories, genetic, you know, uh, associations with that. And then that then got combined with this sort of massive inrush of questioning. A lot of it, you know, important in terms of like, all right, if, let's say we weren't in a pandemic. It'd be super important to think through the question of how do we know that viruses exist? What is virology? What is the germ theory? What is landscape theory or whatever, you know, whatever that's called. Sure. And so, but in the midst of all of this, then it feels like, okay, we've been destabilized at some level, especially here in the United States where it's obvious we're in the middle of some crazy uh, genocidal stuff going on. It feels like, it looks like that. It's definitely, yeah. there's, there's some to that a hundred percent, thousand percent. Um, yeah, it feels all too, um, what's his name? Uh, the, uh, the KGB defector, um, Yuri Bezmanov, um, where, you know, going through the stages, I mean, granted, it's like a mind control thing, you know I mean? It's like the, you know, uh, break them, you know what I mean? It's the, the, the three rules for, for mind control, um, you know, scare the shit out of us. Make sure we're secure. It's it's Hegelian dialectic, you know, wrapped up in whatever you want to wrap it up in. Um, it's just wild. But then, yeah, I mean, you do get a rash of very, very, like, reactionary, you know, responses to it with the, uh, yeah, with the whole, you're precisely right there, where it would be a healthy educational uh, debate over our viruses. Do they really exist? And do they exist how they've been explained to us or, you know, as opposed to a time like right now, it's the, it's an awful time to be questioning that and folk just hyper-focusing in on that or any one thing right now. And granted that's never healthy. Well, it, what's kind of crazy is that I haven't heard one person on the news talk about your immune system and, and taking vitamins and fighting, fighting colds off that way. It's all, it's all about like, external external stuff like you know wear your mask to help somebody else out outside of you it's all like do something for it's it's for greater good it's 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 communitarianism really the whole you know uh, it's it's not a law as much as it's a uh and amore it's sort of like instead of it's sort of instead of science it's like replacing it with social norms or yeah yeah weird and it, it again it seems like and, and then that see that side of it is a toxic mimic too in a way yep because it it includes the sort of the enlightened part but it doesn't include the uh the self protection part it doesn't pro- include the individual it's all about yeah. the collective sure the collective exists uh, other individuals exist we could call ourselves uh, you know, a community, a collective or a grouping of people. But meanwhile, the individual exists, the individuals still exist. And so if you're not putting forth pragmatic knowledge-based solutions that grapple with all of that, then you're not, you know, then it's some kind of weaponized thing. And, and that's what, that's so rare at this moment. I don't hear any talk in public that includes like, oh yeah, it actually could be, you know, it makes sense to like think about others, even if you're in like mask theory and all that, like, you know, okay, it makes a lot of common sense and knock down viral loads. We know that sort of viral loads are a thing when it's not saying this, this is not Ebola. So it's not like if you just 
you know, catch it or something like that, you're dead or right. something like that. Your yeah. organs are going to melt. We know this is about sort of levels of viral load. It makes sense to knock down things, uh, the viral load. But then it also makes sense to think about immune system, immune support, the basics of understanding when people go out in the sun, they get more vitamin D. That's obviously what when, you know, the summer comes. That's why it, it's not really so much about the virus, although it's probably partially about it, like the more light probably directly affects virus oh, yeah, particles uh, yeah and, and with this being like having them studied it or what have you saying that it dies out in the sunlight like in less than i don't know like five seconds not even i think it's even shorter than that so you have that to factor in too though but the one thing is it's like it feels like they pit science to be this religious uh you know what i mean they, they yeah. totally made it a uh they weaponize that as well. A cult of expertise or something. Yeah, it's super, it's, it's diabolical to do that to any, any society at any it's time. True. It's like the demonic sort of part of side of like the priest class in a way. Oh, yeah, dude. And oh, yeah, and the, yeah, you definitely nailed that one. <laughs> um, well, who knows when these, they hijacked, you know, everything. It's, it's definitely the demonic era that we're going into. I mean, face masks and facial recognition software and chips and chips. Oh and yeah, and then I heard la- uh, yeah, I heard this last night and I actually did a little bit of research into it where um the I think Anthony Patch was actually finally he was on Clyde Lewis last night. I haven't heard from Anthony Patch in a long time. I don't know if you're familiar, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Um Jim, are you you're familiar with Anthony Patch, right? Yeah. Work with CERN. He's broken down a lot of of shit. He's I don't know if he, he I think he's a D wave. Yeah, I think he's a physicist. He's super. He's very brilliant. Um, but he was on Clyde Lewis last night. And he was talking about. Um, they were both talking about how there's a a, a patch or something that they're developing, and I believe it's been patented by Bill Gates as well. Go figure. Where, oh, by the way, he's doing a show with Rashida Jones. I saw really randomly as a podcast. I know. I lost. There goes all what I had left respect for Rashida Jones. Poor, poor girl. Um, But anyway, I guess this, this patch is like a, a, uh, it's like a vaccine micro shot kind of, not micro. I guess it's even smaller than that, but it's like nanoparticulate crap going, there's nano stuff going on, obviously nanotech involved, but it will literally, it's like, it goes on your skin like a patch and then it'll so you don't have to keep going back for the shots or something like that to get, you know, like third, fourth, whatever. So it like turns you to OS. Yeah. Yeah. Biological OS. Yeah. Uh, auto, automatic updates. This is messed up. So straight from, Isra- straight from Israeli straight military up, intelligence. Yeah. Right. It's, uh, it's, yeah, this is not good. We, we gotta figure something else out here. Seriously, because this is like, okay, where do you draw the, where do we draw the line as humans? Or as as a because we're not drawing lines as a, as a society and a culture right now. It's not going to happen. Period. No. So we're individually going to have to navigate this thing. And I don't know about you, but I don't give a shit about going to see any shows that are promoted by Ticketmaster normally. Um, you know, I might. But, but I haven't given up on us actually making political decisions here and like rising to the political. Occasion. Okay. I'm not saying there's any evidence no. that that's going to happen, but exactly. I haven't given up on it right? as a as a hypo- hypothetical. 
and why don't we just we'll 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 shift over to there real quick because the cabinet that he's that this motherfucker is lining people with it's literally a neocon like a neocon wet dream almost I mean is Cheney in there for real though that's what it's not clear it wouldn't, it's report, not clear it. Yet. It wouldn't report it but apparently it's only it's not being it was just some one report on CNN as far I've tried to nail I cannot nail I that down either. I can't either. I looked it up too. I was like, no, nah, this is too much. This is just too. And it could be. It's it's not. I mean, he he's on the public record. Biden is in terms of saying he he like he's a nice guy. He's a good guy. I'm, I like I'm friends with him and Remember stuff like him that. Chance, so. Give him a chance to give him, like, no. Look, give him a yeah. That, yeah. He give is him a chance that. to shoot me in the face. Right. Dude, it's, it's insane. Um, But I feel like. uh, Give his third heart a chance. This makes sense, though, where sure. he worded things. He was like, you guys haven't even kind of give, given me a chance. You're going to see that uh, he's make Biden sounding like, I'm like basically speaking, like, I'm a bipartisan. This is bipartisan. Like, you'll see. You're going to like the people I put in into power. And then he's like, they'll love these Dick Cheney people. Like, what? Dude? <laughs> and nobody's calling any. Nobody's saying shit about it. Like, there, you saw that article, too, right, where they, uh, and CNN, where they wouldn't report the part about Dick Cheney. That's what we're talking about, right? Right, Jeremy? You saw that headline yeah. too, right? Well, I, that was all I saw was a headline about Dick Cheney in the Biden administration. And I only saw it in this one story on, on CNN. And we couldn't find it anywhere else. And, and they, is it true though? That's, I, it feels true with, I can't remember the names. I wrote them down. It's in a pile over here, but you're, you're vastly, I'm sure you've picked out a couple names from that, Jeremy. Like what, that he's, he's put in, it, they're the, like they're Lincoln Project pieces of shit. Which right? ones? I, I haven't what? yet really looked at it much, I, except for his COVID thing. I I saw the cute the uh, what's it, the woman from the CIA's investment firm, Incutel. Incutel. She right. she's the leader on the paper that talks about public persuasion in relationship to the COVID vaccines, and then uh, our uh, what's his name, Zeke Emanuel. Okay. And and I haven't researched all of the rest of them that very much, but there's a lot of doctors at the very least, which to me was a good sign rather than like straight up just sort of pharmaceutical or, exactly you know, depart, only Department of Health, like bureaucrats and stuff like that. So at the very least, there's some doctors on there, but these bad signs are not good. <laughs> no. And these, yeah, they put a couple of neocons in there. Let's see if what I can get here. Um, for some, but he's reason, not even. I'm not even clear that it's, he's going to be the president at this point. Whoa, you know when? Yeah, I know, I know that. And and you know, for hope for peace, I got peace. That's a joke. <laughs> hope for uh, right. I mean, um, I guess it's out the window if Donald Trump would win. If they do overturn this, it's just gone. Like we're dead. Like you know, get out of town, dead. Like. I mean, this is just going to blow up into absolute mania. But for some reason, it's using Bing as a search engine, but it's whatever. He's got a... All right, so we've got... This is what's pretty hilarious about this, actually, is... Uh, we've got, <laughs> Dick Cheney's face? What? No, this. Right here. 10, 11, 20. Oh. This is from, yeah, a month ago. A little over a month. Did CNN... Yeah. I think this is what we read too. It feels like what I read, right? Well, the tweet was first posted by a pro-Trump something. Oh, jeez. Oh no, CNN didn't say that he would be a 
Okay. Oh, I see. That's interesting. I wonder. It's it is possible that it was just warfare. Let's see. You know, it doesn't matter who's in the White House. We're going to end up basically in the same place with uh, a lot of little different squabbles along the way. But maybe I mean, like the, the yeah. stuff that's going down right now in the Pentagon and the, you know, and sure, in terms of like big long term things, yes, it, it, there would be very little that would be changed. But there's certain short term things that are represented by like the council for national policy and severe like zionists both christian and and jewish like who are like the end times zionists where there's lots of you know stuff going on around missing nukes and parallel power structures that cheney even runs and all that kind of stuff that is run by that crew rather than like the obama Biden crew. So those are the kinds of things that I think are would be different. We wouldn't even know if they were different. It would just mean that like a nuke didn't go off somewhere in the Middle East or somewhere in the United States. People are popping champagne corks because they stopped it. We won't ever know about we it. Never, that's true. <laughs> um, Fair enough. True. Right. So I wonder, okay, so the, this is, polit- well, I don't know what this is, but fact check so it's saying U.S. presidential elections over the votes have been co- votes have been counted and Democratic nominee Joe Biden has been declared the winner. However, the scene this time is quite different with Trump refusing to concede defeat, which has seen new pieces of information making headlines every now and then with some being completely false. The latest to do the rounds on Monday was that CNN allegedly reported that former Republican Vice President Dick Cheney will be advising Biden on foreign policy in the coming days. Social media users immediately picked up the news and started questioning its authenticity, rightfully so. Uh, however, there is no such information, although the social media is still abuzz with this piece of news. What's the fuss? We don't want to see this piece of shit ever again. I think that's the fuss. <laughs> unless it's, unless get, him, it's, get him the fuck out of here is the yeah, fuss. Un- unless it's in a capacity to which Christian Bale can study and uh, possibly play a role in Vice 2, then I don't ever want to see this scum fuck's face. Uh, anyway, he's the devil. I, I can say that I saw it with my own two eyes. I'm nine, you know, 99.999% sure that it was not a deep fake. Michael Chertoff being interviewed by Katie Couric doing the same old BS story about the transition between the, the scuffle between Bush v. Gore cause, helping cause 9-11. They're, they are hyping that shit up hardcore right now, and Michael Chertoff was harping on it. And so to me, that actually is a very likely, likely plausible threat right now Wait, is that kind of thing. Who is this again? Who's Michael Chertoff. Michael Chertoff. What's what would people remember, recognize he, that name from? He Michael Chertoff was the head of the criminal division of the FBI on September 11th, and then became the head of the Department of Homeland Security. Oh, and it's it's said that his mom was an early Mossad. It looks like she was on some of the early El Al flights that were uh, doing Israeli intelligence operations. And uh, yeah, so he's he's bad news. He's it's interesting too because he was also like. Um, Michael Cohen's lawyer, when Michael, by the time Michael Cohen was testifying to Congress, his lawyer was Lanny Davis, who had also been the Clinton's lawyer. 
but Lanny Davis is also the, was also the lawyer of the one of the crucial Ukrainian oligarchs, Dmitry Firtash, who is Manafort's big daddy uh, handler. Um, but Michael Chertoff also worked for Dmitry Firtash at some point, and uh, Michael Chertoff was also on the board of Carbon 9-11, the uh, data the mining. Yeah, okay. yeah. The Epstein Ehud Barak Israeli military intelligence data mining operation, where they're seeking to replace nine one one in the United. That's it's like a sick joke following nine yeah. eleven. I think actually, no, it feels you know. like that. But why don't you carbine nine eleven? I haven't heard that in a while. I mean, you know what I mean. It's been a minute. So why don't, do you want to go into that a little bit? What that sure. is? Sure. So it was. Uh, it was. Epstein was invested into Carbine 9-11. I don't know if it's Carbine or Carbon 9-11. I think it's Carbine. It, it's, it was started as Reporty. Okay. And, and it's, it's meant to be sort of like take over your phone voluntarily in the case of calling 911 and then running massive data analytics. And it was one of the last sort of big companies I think that Epstein invested into before he was arrested um, and and on their board was the whole mix the whole squadron was on the board basically from like you know, Peter Thiel and one of Trump's biggest backers a guy named I think his name's Elliot Tawil, uh, Michael Chertoff former head of Israeli military intelligence Prime Minister Ehud Barak who's also buddies with Epstein close to Epstein but also uh, Russian oligarch Victor Vexelberg, who's who was actually on the he's in he's in the mix in relationship to a global cloud data consortium that involved like uh, Amazon, uh, and also he's very tied into the Russian uh, technology super collider I think called Skolkovo. Okay. And uh, yeah, and so then there's a, there's a few other people involved on that board. Oh, what's her name? Nicole Junkerman is actually maybe the crucial sort of little known person. And the the guy who's done the deep research on her is Johnny Vedmore from the UK, who did a series of articles about Nicole Junkerman because he poured through the Epstein flight logs and found her. He, he said there's very few, if any, flights where it's just Epstein and one other person. It's usually a group of people like the infamous ones to Africa with like Bill Clinton and Kevin Spacey and Chris, Chris Tucker and, you know, all those crews. But this was just Epstein and one other person. It turned out to be this woman, Nicole Junkerman, who starts out as like a supermodel from, she's a German nationality, but there's questions about, obviously about this Israeli connection slash background. And she comes up, gets involved with like FIFA and startups and big sort of European high society. And then ends up in, she's ends up in, in, on this flight to the UK in the fall of 2002 with Epstein, and they end up going to a country manor owned by Les Wexner, who's basically the yeah the funder of of Epstein. Gave him the brownstone where they ran the operations out of in Manhattan, and so they go to this manor, sort of close to like the Rothschild Manor or former Rothschild Manor. I think this place they went to. Fairly close, by the way, from to uh, the British NSA GCHQ. Actually, it's in the hillsides around there. In right before, in an American context, the, you, they're rolling out the the legislation 
that is the precursor to the Iraq War in the coming spring of 2003. And it said that there was two U.S. senators that met them at this house there. And so that then led uh, Vedmore on this whole, uh, you know, investigation into who Junkerman is. Because then she ends up now, she's on the bo- this sort of, quote-unquote, privatization board for the U.K. Department of Health, the NIH over there, for and, and specifically around the question of data. Who, <laughs> where's the data? Who's using the data and all of that. And so that that's a really big thing here, I think, is dealing with data. And that's, I think, we'll, you know, we're beginning to understand with COVID and uh, tracers and all of that kind of stuff is data. Big data is really where it's at. And then who, who owns the data and how do they use it? It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, and it all fall, falls into, um, I mean, these are all names that these are all, oh, him again. Oh, here we go again. You know, it's just, just, pile them on top of each other. Just, just keep piling them on. Um, one of the things, I mean, Wexner's involved here. We've got so many recognizable names for everybody, you know. Um, it's just, it's, ugh, it's gross, man. Yeah, it's a little bit much. <laughs> it, yeah, it's, it's insane. Uh, so real quick, why don't you tell us, uh, tell us, Jim doesn't know about your channel. What, what do y'all do over at Ant- The Antidote? We do largely like American-focused deep politics, deep political analysis from from the radical middle. Like Greg, my my friend and co-host, he sort of comes from from he grew up in Kansas City area, more from like a, a right-leaning background. Sort of comes through like a Ron Paul, and I come from LA, a little bit more from like progressive peace activist kind of background then come through like truth activism. And then we met in sometime around 2015 and then started uh, talking about politics and just sort of got, went to the root of things and deep into truth, no matter what it meant politically. And, uh, and so, but we, we do a lot of like the, and it, you know, we started it right as the, the uh, end of 2016 election season was happening. And so it was traced a lot through the the Trump years and grown our uh, awareness and understanding of what's going on. For sure. And I remember when I was looking into some of your work, because we hung out on the, uh, on Brisson's channel, on John Brisson, and we've read the documents for uh, the uh, election night. That was super fun. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, we had a blast. Dude. That was way too fun. But um yeah, I looked you up afterward a couple of days later and was just da- doing some digging and I found a video of you at, like getting on Jim Jordan with all the uh, Epstein. Let me see if I can pull that up actually. Because um, we'll, and the sound will work too. But um, yeah, why don't you go like, so you're, Jim, he's taking, he's bringing them, he's bringing the heat to these motherfuckers. You're taking Mike's, you're he's right up in his face. You know what I mean? Ready to rock, like bring it. And, you know, we're making, you know, asking if you're aware on the Epstein. It was something along those lines, correct? Yeah. Yeah. It was about like, because it was interesting because we'd planned that trip to go to D.C. when Mueller was going to testify. And we were going to try to bring some depth to the reporting and to the hysteria surrounding the Mueller uh, you know, testimony in the halls of Congress. And, you know, that's what a lot of people don't know is that the, it's really open. Our, our our government is very, very open, actually. And 
there's a lot of access in terms of you could just go and walk the halls and the Congress people are coming and going and the chairs and you just can put like, especially, and this is what's very interesting is back when I went to uh, DC with uh, We Are Change LA and we were focused on 9-11 truth and justice in Congress. It was very interesting. I was uh, chasing down the uh, Senator from Vermont, Patrick Leahy. His office, of course, got anthrax in the wake of September 11th. He was one of the key guys questioning some of the pieces of the Patriot Act. And I was asking about 9-11 and I was working to put some papers in his hand and this uh, Capitol Hill police uh, officer came up to me and said, uh, what, what, are you, what are, you, are you a journalist? Are you, who are you working for? I was like, I'm, uh, I'm a member of the Citizens Press. I'm here on behalf of myself and the American people asking questions about 9-11 uh, treason. He said, carry on. It was very interesting. And that's the thing. Like, even if you go look at the background of like Abby Martin, who was just started working at RT and after she got her RT press credentials to go up on Capitol Hill, she was there with, with Luke Rudowski who founded, we are change in New York and they were chasing down Rand Paul and she got in trouble because Rand Paul acted sort of whiny and bitched her out to the, to the press organization. But because she was corporate press, it was state corporate press she didn't have as much protection as I, as just a, you know, a, an individual right. citizen right. had in the halls of Congress. I was not ob- obliged to be quote unquote nice or to stop quote unquote harassing right. him. I could yeah. go after him and get my, you know, ask my questions. That's wild. So I found, um, it looks like you know, this two weeks ago you had, uh, I'm going to pull it up for, so everybody can see here. Okay. So we've got, I hope that works. Um, but anyway, yeah, we've got, let's just go to it. Is this like your personal YouTube channel then? Yeah. I have to update it some more. We'll, we'll subscribe. There you go. There's the sub. So two weeks ago. Yeah. It was Mark Meadows. And I think I saw you getting Jim Jordan too. Yeah. It's from last year. It's from last winter. Last, last summer. Israeli okay. intelligence angles of the Mueller investigation, the counterintelligence aspects, Semyon Mogilevich, the Russian-Israeli mobster. From Mueller, I doubt it. Okay. But do you know about, have you He's heard right. about these potential compromises, including Epstein? Is there, have you heard anything about the Epstein compromise in any of the... Yeah, I'm not, I'm not at, at liberty to discuss this. Okay, that sounds like you might have heard something I, I didn't say it. that. Okay. I said I'm not at liberty to discuss okay. any kind of detail. Are you concerned publicly about the blackmail implications? I, I understand. I need to ask for, on behalf of the American people that our president is not compromised by Israeli and Russian intelligence. No, no comment. No comment. <laughs> I couldn't believe he said no comment. I know, dude. That is, that's heavy, dude. What are they saying? That's wild. So... So you went over there last summer, was it? Or when was the last time you were in D.C.? Yeah, last summer. Okay. So did you hit, where where did you catch Jim Jordan? Just in the the hallways after like uh, a Homeland Security. That's why I was asking him. I asked Jim Jordan about like in a Homeland Security context, had he heard anything about the Epstein compromise? Right. Because it was actually, they were doing stuff about... Oh, the the acting head of DHS was there. I sort of missed him. I chased him down the hallway, and I got the question into him, but he it was not he was not close enough to have to answer. But part of it is sort of like the the politics of the act in a way. When you're asking, it's interesting. When I was at a USC 
event with this the former head of the National Reconnaissance Office and the uh, guy who, who um, what was his name? I forget his name. Lou Elizondo? No. No, I don't know who that is. <laughs> That's a, the dude from TTSA who worked at the National, like the Two oh. Stars Academy. Yeah. Oh, shoot, huh? He worked for the NRO. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting, huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Yeah, and he's out with that too. Like, I remember he came out, he didn't have an issue saying anything about it when they, when Tom DeLong did his first, like, I'm starting a, an IPO, you know, like, whatever. Please give me some money. When he, he brought out, like, Steve Justice, he brought out, you know, uh, I'm pretty sure that was when he first introduced Lou Elizondo. But anyway, whatever. Mm. That makes It makes sense, I guess, in that context of, like, if you're running, like, a fake black technology or UFO truth group. What do you, what's your real, what do you think about that? Like, I don't, I don't know what to make of it. I don't, what do you make of that whole situation? Of you, of what, of black technology or UFOs? TTSA, black technology and UFOs, but I'd start with, I'd start with UFOs or start with TTSA because of, with the weird implications. Dude, I'm sorry, Chris Mellon. I'm going to trust a bunch of Carnegie, Carnegie Mellon. Like nobody. Oh, wait, oh, what, are we, what are we, Tim Leary running the, yeah. the house in upstate New York with the acid test and stuff? What are we doing? They're prank. Yeah. Merry pranksters. Let's, let's <laughs> keep it going. Right. Like it's a joke. It's hilarious. Yeah. Did you, I don't mean to die. I'm digressing way too That's much. Cool. Up here. No, it's, a, it's a fractal. Yeah, exactly. It's a mind fractal. This is what the show is anyway. So That's cool. We, we do. Um, I remember seeing, I, I think I was watching Showtime. I feel like it was. It was either Showtime through Amazon, and I remember seeing a commercial for Gloria Steinem. And it, I don't know if it, I. I feel like it was a dream, if but it wasn't. I know it was real, and I remember her saying something. It was like a painted carrot. I can't remember precisely what it was, but it was <laughs> her on a couch, like talking to somebody and saying, "Little do they know, is that I'm like I'm a spook, or I want to tell my story. I'm a spook, you know, or, or working in a government agency." And I'm like, "What is going on?" Like. It reminded me of, it, well, it didn't remind me of Tim Leary, but uh, what's his name? Yeah, well, it did a little bit, you know, owning <laughs> it. And then she, I remember she popped yeah. off the mouth like a couple of years ago saying, you know, and that confirmed that she was an op, an actual operative. Yeah. Um, but touching, I guess, from a, from a standpoint of, um, from not a political standpoint, but just from a whatever standpoint, I guess, what's your, what's your take on that, the To The Stars Academy nonsense? Do you think it's... Does it look like what, how I look at it is, I, I look at them as like a uh, control, control the narrative and get it out there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't like to put Lavenda in with them because Lavenda, I just, there's so much of his work I love, but I don't, I'm left and right. Okay. So what's your take on TTSA? I guess we'll start from there. <laughs> well, I, I imagine, you know, there's something real about it in terms of like, if you're doing a limited hangout, for example, then there would, it would be a time where there's things that need to be disclosed or there's reasons for it. And what's the part that I think is very likely the case that the reason there's probably thousands of patents that are being sat upon by our national security state and the black technology corporate partners. And it's very largely because there's, you know, it's probably zero point style energy, but also highly efficient renewable energy. I mean, even even the just the history of oil in this country is an overt conspiracy. 
against small farmers, against alcohol, against alcohol engines, against cannabis, against cannabis as fuel, against cannabis as building materials and all that. But on the side that we haven't seen is very likely zero point energy. And we could have been off of the, the dirty monster, uh, you know, fuel apparatus a long time ago. And so I imagine, and you hear a little chatter about this, like on, in sort of like deep, deep, uh, conspiracy, uh, sites or interviews with like, you know, whistleblowers that they're at the high, the commanding heights of the controlled economy the people who own the minerals and the fuels that are in the ground and all of that, that there's an awareness that if you take energy to basically zero, that you basically destroy the incentive, the monetary incentive potentially. That, that's what they would be worried about at some level, in addition to destroying the value of their assets that are, they seek to continue running out. So I think that is really, you know, we're talking hundreds, trillions of dollars of that, that kind of thought process combined with the question of how do you organize global economics and societies around monetary incentive. And I think they're silly. I think they, I actually think they probably believe it, that it's sort of, they're doing it to keep things. Uh, Above board. Like, yeah, we're making, making sure Congress is briefed on this shit and you got, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Thank God. Thank God Congress. Whoa, stop the process. Do you mean Congress was briefed on UA? Like, give me a, who the fuck, what? Nobody cares. Like, yeah. they care. But I mean, like, what are they going to do? I remember seeing something about demanding, um, well, I'm not even going to go there right now. But, okay, so that take, but what, what's your take on black, pro like, we'll, we'll, we'll go UFOs. to UFOs and then we can go to, we can go to black projects following that because that'll fall right in nicely. So, what yeah? What's what's your take on uh, on UFOs per, personally? Obviously, well, I th I think that there's there's probably two sides to it because are there and the way to talk about it would be you talk about UFOs, right. uh, un unidentified flying objects of some sort, right? Which is you usually were talking about like Maybe. some kind of propulsion system or something like that. Some and sort it, of, it yeah. looks strange or yep or or and or you're talking about ET extraterrestrials. And so those are two different uh, areas that there probably is some intersection. And I think there's a lot of reality, as you might say, to both of them. In terms of UFOs, though, it's to me, it seems very, I, I find the whole modern narrative of it highly suspicious. The space that, narrative, yeah. If, for me personally, it has nothing to do with Flat Earth. It's just a, that whole narrative. But go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's cool. It's it's a sort of a timing thing for me that that the the rise of the the standard UFO sighting is right at the exact same time as the rise of the national security state and act in the wake of the act and all that. So that just is, is that did they do the the national security act because they met the the gray alien guys and then they this was something and it just so happened to be in the wake of World War II and all I sort of doubt that causality and I believe more that the there was very likely ET intersections with humanity for as long as we've been thinking about who we are and coming across beings that had more power than curiosity. us potentially and curiosity right. about who, who we, who, what different kinds of people are and all that. So that's different than the modern form of UFOs and especially the UFO move truth movement per se. I think it, 
it's meant it's mainly like a deep black operation us you know national security counterintelligence operation very likely and it makes you know it makes a lot of sense and there's like layers of limited hangouts like i think we were talking about the annie jacobson book yep. about um the the it was a, the roswell was like a soviet uh thing to scare yeah, where was stalin put the uh, it was stalin was behind it because he was you know the master propagandist um and he there was actually a the ufo that everybody saw or some i don't think anybody really claims to have seen any ufos from that night but point is is a, apparently it was a russian uh you know whatever their equivalent of a c-135 would be i have no idea flying over so like a giant cargo plane and then a smaller craft jettisoning jettisoned off of that craft and crashes in the in the desert of of new mexico and when they discover the bodies they pull them out and realize these aren't necessarily space aliens or whatever you want to call them or extraterrestrials they're actually and this is from annie jacobson's book area 51 where it's actually like kids like some uh I don't know, uh, I guess like some handicapped kids that were actually like plastic surgeried, essentially had some operations done to them to just basically, I'm pretty sure just to, you know, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Not accentuate my brain. It's not, it's not firing all cylinders right now. Um, But the point is just to make it like an overt, you know, disgusting display kind of turn these kids into just gross creatures and um and they were actually children that's that's from uh, that's from uh annie jacobson's book was which is fascinating and just kind of like whoa but that kind of that resonated with me for some reason that just feels plausible seems plausible enough right not saying that's what happened but i definitely would factor that into into it um yeah and, and to me that it feels like that that's like on the road towards the truth of what is being described by the modern era of UFOs and Roswell and stuff like that. And at the same time, I think like someone like Jacobson is obviously she's giving the narrative, the the U S counterintelligence establishment narrative for they're telling some truth about that. It's that it's likely not the gray man from space and right. and may, maybe it's there's some Soviet involvement, but I imagine it was there's much more some kind of thing going on with U.S. black ops also that's not necessarily being told in that in that specific case. Yeah. But I think it's in the realm of like the what what the the narratives that rose around that time with the rise of like American black technology being cloaked in the question of linking ufos to et so that 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 the it would just you know it's how do you hide something in plain sight with a story about it ultimately but that doesn't that doesn't disparage i think the question the greater question of extraterrestrials even human beings in relationship to extraterrestrials even questions about you know that are considered around ancient times and the you know phenomena that cannot that's difficult to explain or to disparage like the question of actual UFOs and people seeing black technology very likely and the fact that they're at the very least someone in the universe and in our galaxy has high level propulsion systems of some sort that are way beyond, you know, 
seven, you know, the speed of sound. For sure. And it feels like the, uh, to me, it feels like there is a, I've heard multiple people mention this specifically where they say, if you see, um, a, if you see a craft out there and it's black and I remember, I feel like he was a retired, I can't remember, I can't remember who it was, but it was somebody that I remember going, okay, that's interesting and noting it in my head enough to be like, okay, we said, if you see a craft out there and it's black, it's ours or so if it's from this world, essentially from what we know today. Um, but if, if it's not black, your guess is as good as mine type thing. So I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like that's a little bit too, but it kind of, I remember it resonating with me and be like, huh, you know, and that was when I was doing a lot of like UFO research at the time too. So I remember noting it and thinking that's fascinating. I'll keep that in the back of my file cabinet kind of thing, just in case. Um, It's a good way to hide some, uh, some technology. You know, if they, if they have something that has, that makes lights when it, moves right like oh that's you know that's that that's from that's not from here because it's not yeah that's that's brilliant yeah that would be that would be a good that yeah that's a good counterintelligence narrative like 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 the the designs of helicopters have pretty much i mean inside the guts we don't know all, all that has changed but the you know the outside look of a of helicopters has remained the same for you know years this is true a lot of designs except for like you know, new cutting edge ones. Right. So it's, it seems like we, it seems like they're holding a lot of technology back. Like yeah, I how imagine Skywolf. What was that? What was the name? Yeah. Yeah. Airwolf. 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 Thank you. That was yeah. a great game. Yeah. It yeah was good. Game. Crazy show. It was like, uh, when, uh, Night Rider was out. Exactly. Also. Those yeah, are like parallel was, shows. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. For the air. And then you have yeah, air rider here and down here. Yeah. Yep. I remember that. They, they, they put out a video, a Nintendo game for that too. I remember being like, this is the worst the same Top Gun. I was totally Air- wanted a car, smart car like that. Was Airwolf know? a robot too, like like, uh, like Knight Rider was or no? Uh, Good I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. Maybe It was like super cool though, for some reason. All right. Airwolf? You know? Yeah, Airwolf. Like, I think it was smart in some way. I don't remember for sure. Yeah. So long ago. Yeah. Okay, so it ran from 84 to 87. Very short-lived. Wow. Very 8, short-lived. 8.1. I'll just do this here. Impre- impressionable years, though, for me. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> so he got, um, yeah. High-technology military, technology military helicopter. helicopter. Exotic missions. Espionage. Cold War theme. You've got to be kidding me. Um, <laughs> it's got, hey, guys, look at I mean, 8.1 out of 10. Oh, shit. Com. I don't, how could anybody rate it that? <laughs> Don't even barely remember it. It's only because of the name that I remember this fucking show. It's like uh, Tom Clancy Air, uh, A-Team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a great... Dude, I watched the A-Team religiously. Yeah. A-Team was a great show, for sure. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess if Fantastic. we're going to look at, at all this stuff, um, kind of how it, how it fits in... Um, not, I guess, from a political standpoint. Oh, but I mean, secret technology and black it's ops. Pretty big, yeah. Projects. Um, yeah, all of. I mean, I don't know how many billion went in this year, but I'm sure it was, you know, five hundred at least, something like something ridiculous, some gaudy number. And what about the deep underground bases? Like, are just, that's what I've heard. That 
like you they could take like submarines like way into the midwest like yeah, that makes sense underground and like i don't know if they can go all the way through i know there's a lot of uh a lot of secrets at the submariner base we like up, up in here in washington there's one we should mm. when we have james on we should definitely bring this up because he doesn't yeah know. yeah um I, I used to have a neighbor that was uh his son was a he was a nuclear physicist, a nu- nuclear, 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 nuclear. He was a nuclear physicist in a submarine, and he was always talking about the uh, the angle of the dangle, what they called it when <laughs> they, when it would your attitude would be down or up, you know, like everything would be sliding around. That's wild. Yeah, I can imagine them. I, I it makes a lot of sense when you see, you've seen those pictures of like the drilling machines. In terms of the oh, deep yeah. underground military boring, bases, boring machines. Yeah, the boring being like sort of nuclear powered, probably yeah. diamond tipped boring machines. And you can imagine you could they be you know readily make a submarine shoot off the coast, and especially like all those US, the Air Force bases there in California on the coast there built during the Cold War. You'd ima- and you'd imagine, I mean, the even the Getty, the Getty is sort of oh, like yeah, an overt. It's the first sort of what's what's the Getty. Sort of, Getty the Museum? Getty Museum uh, it was rebuilt over many, many years in Southern California, and it was built oh, like, into like the side Getty, of the mountain. Yeah, the, pho- the, 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 the photographic images, the, uh, the Getty yes. uh, estate, I guess. Yes, yeah, yeah, right. Very they, cool. And, right, they own the Getty images, and, then, and so the, they built, and there's very lots of strange dynamics to the building of it and who's involved and the queens involved and it's crazy it's wow. sort of the, the biggest sort of private building project in a long time or something like that and it's built into the side of the mountain on the side of the, the busiest freeway in the country the 405 they're just a little bit north of the 10 in in west la and it's said huh. by by there's a guy who's an nsa cia contractor whistleblower uh, named Stephen, um, what's his name? Truth, Truth Cat Radio, Steve Kelly, Stephen Kelly, who basically reports that it's in, there's many levels deep there and it's involved in the sex trafficking uh, network. And, and, you know, it's in a big art museum and they have lots of art restoration and preservation. And it's said that basically a lot of the, the art that was collected and or looted and pillaged by all you know aspects of sort of the Western elite has it's sort of a bunker for them. It's vaulted the future. In there. It's a vault, yeah. It's sort of like the yeah. crown jewel golden vault. Wow, that's insane. Yeah, that's insane. I know that that art is a big, it's a big money laundering uh, avenue. You know, hell yeah, oh, yeah. buying ridiculously overpriced things it's the perfect it's actually the perfect one right because it's artistic value like how even real estate has to be grounded to the ground art can just be be how much you want to pay for it exactly if you're a if you're a big collector like uh i think it was nathan rothschild he had this uh i don't know how many artists he he collected but he, he bought a bunch of these like huge like life-size bronze gorilla sculptures like some of them were even like bigger they're they're beautiful and they're in this like museum and then the artist 
died like a year later. And uh, I'm sure that he had, he had insurance on the guy. And, <laughs> and after the artist dies, like his, his whole collection would go way up in huh. value. So it's like, it seems almost like a, an investment, you know, huh. for, the, for the wealthy. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, Yeah. One of the things we were going into is like how, who's in charge of like, is it just Pentagon control? I've I've wondered that. Like who, I mean, with the, with the defense bill or defense budget, that's, that lumps in all the black projects, correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what's interesting is the question of the parallel government where it's a, a lot of the black technology is so off the books that it's basically largely been almost totally outsourced, at least in terms of building it from to outside of the government. And I think what's, what's that, the name of that program, the, the, the uh, parallel programs with even what's his name's uh, a move movie was named it. Um, the doctor. Fucking Stephen Greer, that Stephen Greer. Yes. He's a tra- he is reptilian. Um, he, he's very strange. He's the way he <laughs> he's a weird dude. Yeah. So weird. Oh, it's so interesting that not, that nine eleven was more controversial. He couldn't answer directly the question of nine eleven. It's more controversial than the questions of of uh, extraterrestrials and uh, trillions of dollars of black technology. Well, you heard United that too, States. then, right? You heard that episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was yeah. pretty mental, dude. That's not a talking Carl point. Was, I think that was with Carl. Was was that the one, Jeremy? Oh, I oh, I was a, a public. It was a pre- public presentation he gave in end of 2015, and the last question from the audience oh, was shit. about September 11th, and he basically said that he had a guy who was in the Pentagon and who's an eyewitness to certain aspects of it, but that he couldn't say anything while he was alive because his family would have died, um, and he still didn't say much. Right. I mean, <laughs> even though is- the guy was dead, supposedly. Yeah, and also who cares? Like you're being like, I don't understand that guy, man. I really don't. He, what was the name of that movie? Um, uh, Unag- Oh, the one I was thinking was unacknowledged. Unacknowledged. Yeah. And then his, the newest one, I don't want to give any props. So don't go watch it or whatever. Don't pay for it. Um, what is it? Uh, it doesn't matter. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like that's James sure Fox. They feel like they're really closely connected. Um, I'm sure there's some weird connection there too. If we were to dig in a little bit, um, but but that before before I forget that name unacknowledged yeah. USAP unacknowledged special, special access, access programs yep. and that's the important thing I think for us to know and to think about is that the way that the so-called governance has been split is via these unacknowledged special access programs that are all that have all been run for decades by the military contractors and so we and, that, and I think that is the case where even a president is. Yeah, you don't really have the need to know, Mr. President. Barely read yeah. it. Yeah. Just barely. Plausible deniability. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, well, in their case. But sometimes they're interested. You get the sense that all of them, like, at some level get interested. But then there's the Bill Hicks scenario of the the film of Kennedy from another angle or something like that. And they all know their place or whatever. That's assuming that they, Where they know, were and, all planted. Like, that was kind of the... Because the umbrella thing doesn't make a lick of sense, and these are all characters playing in a, a giant psychodrama. It does feel like that. And by the way, you guys, I should totally—I'll go get this probably before the show ends. But I was walking by, about to feed the dog, and right over by where we 
I put her food. There's um, uh, a bunch of filing, old files and stuff. And I caught the back of it and it was a Time Life, um, like an original Life magazine. And it was, J- I picked it up and it's like perfect shape. And it was JFK, uh, the life and death of JFK from 1963. So whatever. What? And it had my grandfather's name. Yeah, it was from my grandfather. Wow. wow. That's that's in mint cool, condition. I can, I'll go grab it before we go You off. should go Find grab me. it. Yeah. You should check, check it for the... Uh, the Mandela effect, you know, with, uh, <laughs> with the uh, limo supposed to be longer, you know. Oh, shoot. I didn't it realize is. there was Guys, a Mandela effect to the JFK. Yeah. Yeah, there is. I, I went over that. I poured over it, too. I literally, I picked it up. I was like, holy shit. And I was like aging through it, and I was super careful. And then I remember so, looking at the car, and it's, dude, it's it's a limo. It's long. And I was I did like three takes. Like, I don't remember the car looking like that. And then I just put it away. I didn't say that in my head, I, but I remember saying in my head, I don't remember the car looking like this. Like, huh, fascinating. Wow. I will go get it. Interesting. I'll go get it right now. Screw it. Cool. Super weird, right? Give me one <laughs> second, guys. So, so Jeremy, um, do you yeah. know, have you ever heard of uh, a guy named Eli Whitney? Like the, like the um, like cotton, cotton gin? Yes, the cotton gin. I, I don't about, know much about it though. Um, I I learned about him in school. Do you remember like anything specific like? No. About his uh, race or anything? No. Okay. Um, Cause I I always learned I, I learned that he was black, and that like it was like super revolutionary because he uh, invented this machine that made picking cotton easier and it was like that to help out the slaves and that, i never heard like, that i don't remember that that's like what i remember from school and and then i got this uh encyclopedia from a uh it was like from 1950 like from a garage sale and i looked it up and it had eli whitney and, it, and he was white and i couldn't believe it because i remembered him being black like i remember the, like the story about it like and I don't know. I had a friend that remembered that also that he was black, but I'm not. You know, I've been asking people, but nobody really remembers that. That interesting. That well. I just don't remember learning much of anything about him or the cotton gin. Yeah, I was just curious. But yeah, let's see what. Let's check out this life. Yeah, this is crazy. That's so awesome. It's got my pops. Wow, that's cool. Sixty-three. Yep. Wow. What year? 1963? I looked when I was paging through. I was like, when exactly was this public? You know, when was this? There's no date. There's no... And Did he write his name on there, your grandfather? My grandfather did, yeah. Wow. November 22nd, 1963. That's obviously the Wow. Date. Um, Interesting. Yeah, look at that. I can get more light. Oh, wow. That's cool. Jackie and stuff. <laughs> Look at it. It's incredible shape, too. Huh? I know. I was shocked when I pulled it out. Like, it's just got, like, a little stain right there. Yeah. Nothing Authent- too- authenticity. Yeah. It's crazy. There's so much. And I was, as I'm looking through it, I'm looking oh, through this, I'm, you know, obviously have a a different lens to view this through, you know. Um, I will find the car, though, because they take shots. And the crazy thing was, is, like, the photos from this where the, the the guy was actually you know taking film pho- photography either that or he was taking video photography so if it was abraham's pruder i don't know 
because this is the Zapruder didn't drop till the 70s, right? Right. So this is wild right here. Okay. It's the 911 Paymaster was also involved in the Zapruder buyout. Who was? The 911 Paymaster. Um, of course. Yeah, what's his? I forget his name. This is wild. So we got split second horror. Whoa. What? Whoa, whoa. Yeah, dude, it has Wait a minute. What? frames. I'm not kidding you guys. Well, it's frame by frame. There. What's it? How many, how many doors are on it? Is it a four door or a six door car? It's a six door. It's a fucking six door. I don't remember. I remember it being a four door. No, it feels like a, it's a four door. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. And a front seat and a back seat. Yeah. Yeah. Does that have four but rows of seats? If you look at this though, guys, it's, it's two rows. It looks like. Right. There's two rows and the governor's in the front with his. It's super tricky. Now I'll, I'll put this back up. I will. But here's the crazy thing. Where is it? Oh, it says right. There's a, there's a, here. There's a, there's a sign here. Right here, as you can see, that's the back of a street sign there. Uh, and it says right here, first two shots. It says, past the book warehouse, the president turned to his right to wave to someone. Then it's shot one. It says, just as his car passed behind the road sign shown in the foreground, the first bullet struck him in the neck. I was like, how convenient is that? How convenient is this? That's right went through my mind when I was like, how convenient is this street sign for shot one? You know, and I'm looking and I'm just like, huh. So we go, that's frame one, which is right here. Wow. Which you can clearly see the sign in front of it. Yeah. Okay. So then, you, and as you can see in, in the second photo or third, whatever it is, there's the sign still right there. Again, it looks like either that or it's just too perfect of a frame. So then what we have here is, and two, yeah, this is two. So he shot it, bam, bam. I know this looks black and white into the camera, but it's not. This is actually a color photo. And photo two it is a four door, by the way, but it's like there's a there's four three wreaths, rows of seats. Yeah, there's there, three rows of seats, precisely three. Because is there like a if you look like right here, frog windows behind the this guy, the governor, car? this guy. Oh yeah, you know, he's leaning his head back towards them. That's his his head is right here. Yeah. He's oh, there's another back, row like, of seats right behind him. Yeah. Yep. Oh. It's so weird. Uh, it's hard to. Is it facing? Are they the the middle row of seats facing forward or backwards? It's a good question, Jim. We couldn't see that. Let me try to pull these photos up off of the. Uh, Look online and see if uh, it's that be the same funny. Are, like messed up online, and like we actually, I have the real. It's, oh, here you have the originals. <laughs> yeah, I have the. Originals. Okay, this is you can clear. It's plain as day. Three rows. Look at the the car in the top one. Yeah. Oh, right, right. The dr- yeah. okay, the driving row, the governor, and then Kennedy's. Yep. Oh yeah. I don't ever see that in any fucking Zapruder film. I've never seen it. Have you guys? I don't. Uh, I don't remember it. Yeah. Funny how we don't remember that. Do you remember the movie JFK? I, yeah. I I saw it in the theater. It, Whoa. I played it over and over again. The back into the left. 
But yeah, this is this is what is this is what Israeli nuclear intelligence agent Arnon Milchan wants you to see, right? <laughs> this is just like this whole thing. It's just, like, and then they go into LBJ's life. It is Whoa. way too like. Oh boy, it's, dude, it's that crazy. picture is a creepy picture in the first it, place, isn't it? And just the way the the angle with the hand and stuff, yeah. and Jackie and these weirdos in the background, it's and they're crazy. they're like in a an attic somewhere or something like a, <laughs> yeah. are they in a, cock- a cockpit or your grandma's attic? It's right. not clear. Yeah. And then we have the little, did you know, kind of thing. Like <laughs> I'm looking at Jay Robert, Robert Kennedy. What time life too? They, oh, right? no. The, the looses and are there that, ads in there? I don't think so. No. Sorry, sorry to cut you off there. Okay. It's all dedicated. Like, That's the back page. Whoa, dude. Hey, isn't that Q? Is that, that's Q. That, no, no, that's Q squared or Q parallel. Okay. I think Q that, plus is Trump. Did they put that boy in a skirt? This a is, kilt. It's this a kilt, bro. It was a kilt. Okay. <laughs> Scottish, Scottish yeah. right, Freemasonry. So I wonder. And Zapruder was a 33rd degree Scottish right uh, Jewish was. Freemason, yes. Of course he was. That's a wild. Not confirmed. Oh, Berlin, huh? Mm-hmm. I remember, like, uh, oh, right. There's like the parallel. They tried to make a parallel of Obama's Berlin speech and Kennedy's Berlin speech. Oh, they did. They, did, they were not the same. <laughs> not at all. Berliner. So yeah, I wonder. <laughs> I wonder if someone can pull up the uh, the photos. See, and this is what I was looking for too. This is the front page. You open it up. And you have that, you got the portrait, and then you've got. Oh my gosh. I'm looking through all this, and I'm like, where is the date? When was this published? There's nothing here. And the way it reads, 1963. So it had to be, I mean, November 22nd. Yeah. Find out. This was like pumped out to everybody. Um, Like immediately? I feel like it. But wait, no, but but those. How about the shots? Where did those shots come from? That's a good, yeah. I'm telling you, man, it feels like Sapruder. I'm going to go to it right now, and we're going to figure this out really I quick. I mean, it, it is the case that it was time that gained the access to the Zapruder film via, I believe, via the 9-11 Paymaster. What the? Oh, shit. I think his name is Feinberg. Is that his name? 9-11 Paymaster. There's another very... It's strange guy who was running time around that time besides the looses, the guy who was the highest level U.S. Uh, Army uh, psychological warfare guy. I forget his name. What's his name? He's interesting. There's very little written on him. Oh, Michael Aquino? No, no, no. Or, or John Alexander? No, no. The, uh, older, the previous okay. generation. He was I know like what you're a, talking about. Eisenhower's guy. He was the first guy and it's like one of the death camps and stuff. And, uh, yeah, and he was the one who sealed the narratives. And, I mean, very strange guy. I forget. I've heard of, I've heard of, who, of this guy before, but I, I don't remember who, what his name was. He was Time Life. Uh, I sort of want to... The, the photographer. The photographer, right? No, no, no. The, he's a, he's a, a, chemical, a chemical weapons expert and the highest level art, a military psychological warfare chief. During the World War II oh, era. Oh, shoot. 
Um, Looking at life.com. And all of his all of his papers are at the Eisenhower Library over here in Kansas, and they're under severe secrecy. Apparently, really? yes. There's all I can find is like one book that's like you know very expensive, real short, and like some PhD that I can't find about the guy. Oh, oh. CD CD Jackson, that's his name. CD Jackson, like CD Jackson. compact disc, like his is. Yeah, but it's like Charles Douglas or something like that. And okay. I, I actually got a book uh, all about the um, the Dakota Hotel in or the, the residence hotel in New York City. And it's about him. And it's about him like actually trying to hide his Jewishness while also trying to exclude Jews from being allowed to live there. Because his, the original name is Jacobson, um, C.D. Jacobson, C.D. Jackson, very interesting figure. And he's all goes from chemical weapons to psychological warfare to time life. And there's still very little known about it. Yeah, yeah. That's where he closes it all out. Oh, it's closed. I think so. I think he helped start the Bilderberg Group too, or something like that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's why it's secret. Oh, yeah. Managing director. There's CD. General, oh, he's a general? Of course, he's the highest level chemical weapons, psychological warfare. General Charles Douglas Jackson, 62 when he died in 64, was a United States government propagandist and senior executive of Time, Inc. As an expert on psychological warfare, he served in the Office of Strategic Services in World War II and later as special assistant to the president in the Eisenhower administration. He was born in New York City. The um, is the one that Frank uh, Olson jumped through. Oh, know, that makes floor, sense. Yeah. yeah, it makes yeah. sense now because the CIA would be posted up in that. Yep. What? Yeah. 13th floor. Yep. I, I still haven't read th- fin- through that entire book. Oh, there it is. During 1953 to 54, Jackson was key in establishing the Bilderberg Group in, and ensuring American participation. And he attended the meetings 54, 57, all the way to his death, basically. This guy's a wow. piece of scum. He's like a founder of... Mossad, perhaps? No. Secret. That's the only. That's the only thing he didn't do. <laughs> Speaking of, when did the Mossad actually come into, uh, the the, when was it f- like founded? Kind of. Right back. Well, pro- I mean, probably it was founded right in in the very beginning there. Say, when so it, right when they're making the nation state, correct? Yeah, I think so. And it's interesting because it looks like there was. It looks like. The, the, maybe, I don't know how this all went down, but the U.S. involved, the U.S. was involving, um, was working with uh, the former head of uh, uh, Nazi intelligence, Galen, Galen, because Galen had the networks, he had all of the counterintelligence networks in relationship to the Soviets. And so he was brought into the American fold. And I think he was actually involved with helping stand up Mossad. I'm not sure about that, but I mean, it's interesting because like those, the networks that started Israel were obviously already well established, you know, they, right. you know, the fact that the Rothschilds actually owned, you know, some 50% of the land or something like and created the, the imperial document, um, you know, to solidify the deal for Israel to be founded in terms of the Balfour document. You know, so obviously those Reinhard Galen is that his name? Yeah, Reinhard. Yeah, Reinhard. Galen. Okay, I, my, yeah. I was like, where, where is his name? It's just 
stumbles into my brain. Um, oh, yeah, and I wanted to look up the name of the 9-11 paymaster who also was involved in purchasing the Zapruder film for time. Wait a minute. Yeah, this doesn't... So the guy, the paymaster... Feinberg, yeah. Kenneth Feinberg, look him up. A paymaster. Oh, he was in charge of... Because they didn't want any... Because after they did 9-11, probably Israeli military intelligence is like the chief institutional fixed point of reference for that. After that, then they had all these potential victims, family members, legal cases. The, 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 the uh, you know, Silverstein was dealing with stuff. The airlines were dealing with stuff. And so they wanted, and the, the, there was the one federal judge who's basically going to be in charge of all of the cases. Um, what's his name? Uh, the 9-11 judge. Oh, man, I can't remember. I'll look it up, too. And he, the, he worked with the, with the U.S. government to basically discourage any of the family members from actually taking it to suit and to a trial. And so they offered up all this money. They put these billions of dollars together to be distributed to the family members, basically hush money, really. Right. You know. it's, it feels like it, that's... Um like a, a civil suit come at you know what I mean? Sort of situation where it's like we're giving payouts to families. I remember that happening. Um, yeah. Payouts to families of the, the uh, victims. Um, yeah. I don't know. The first thing I get come up new, new nine eleven. Alvin, Alvin Hellerstein. Alvin Hellerstein is the name of the judge who, and his son was actually, um, involved with the Israeli military intelligence company that was at the epicenter of the quote-unquote 9-11 security airline breakdowns, ICTS, um, and his son was involved with them. Total, total, total conflict of interest. But the paymaster, his name is Kenneth Feinberg. And he was, you should see all the things. He was involved with the big oil spill in the Gulf. Of course. Um, but also, I believe, Zapruder. But I can't remember exactly what he did. But I think he bought it for for time. It's um, Palms. Oh, that's a radio show host named Kevin. You said Kevin Feingold or Fine? What was it? Uh, Kenneth Feinberg. Kenneth Feinberg. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I had Russ Russ Feingold on the brain, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Kenneth. Oh, oh, agent. He was the, he's the court appointed. Feinberg has served as the court appointed special settlement master in cases including Agent Orange product liability litigation, asbestos personal injury litigation. Go and I don't know what DES cases are. The town that I lived in with my ex wife was the town, the Agent Orange town, Anniston, Alabama. Oh, shit, dude. Yep. Where it's in Monsanto, we could see from our front porch. Wow. Really. Oh, my disgusting. gosh, dude. Yeah, and the, like it was literally like take a city of a take the take any city out of you know small town USA, but we're talking hundred thousand people almost maybe eighty thousand people at the time, and then take now today uh, imagine like that city's still standing, abandon it, and maybe pepper in fifteen thousand people. That's what the city's like now. It's wow. super weird, and there's like another wow. little closer to the interstate off of I six off of I uh, not sixty five but I twenty. It's like halfway between Birmingham and Atlanta there. Literally like right about the halfway point by Talladega. And uh, 
Yeah, it feels like everybody like moved from Anniston to Oxford, which is the little town right on the interstate there. It feels like everybody just like up and moved. Um, it's gross though. The city is just, oh, I feel bad. It's horrible, dude. Yeah, it's awful. I remember one day some guy, like a randomly some guy was just on the property and I was the only one home. And I remember like running outside, like, what are you doing on the pro? Like we just inherited the house, like whatever. And he's like, oh, I'm from blah, blah, blah. He showed me his, like a badge and a thing. And I'm like, what is this? And he's like, everything's fine. I'm just making sure there aren't any DDTs present still. And I'm like, oh my oh, God, are you shit. kidding me, dude? Like, this is how we're doing. Do you hear that? What? Did you? No, okay, you didn't. Yeah. I think well, it's my no. headphones. It's cut, cutting out. Oh, and it didn't cut out on the side. Okay, good. It's a good sign. Um, but yeah, it's, man. They, because the so weapons depot, the army depot, was like right up the street from the. Uh, I'll look it up actually. Just yeah, like, I'm looking it up. Aniston, it's, I think it's spelled A N N. Yeah. I S T O N. Yep. PCBs. Yep, dude, it's disgusting, man. They're everywhere. Monsanto. Literally, this pro, is just so horrible. We could see. Monsanto, that's what like haunts both of us probably is. I still have like this weird um, like picture window frame photo in my head. You know, just that burn <coughs> in my brain. Because <clears throat> it was just like a gloomy sight, if you know what I'm saying. It was just gloomy to think about too that, oh, there's Monsanto. Like <laughs> right in front of us. And we had a steel mill um, closer to us. So we had a steel mill and then the next plot of land down the hill that we could see, you know, over the horizon type over yonder is right there. It's Monsanto. It's like, just, oh, yeah. yeah. And it, you know, my ex-wife was like super, I only knew about Monsanto because of her, you know what I mean? Her research into like PCBs, all these different things. And, you know, luckily she was hip to a lot of that shit. When yeah. I first met her in Austin, you know, she was turning me on to a lot of, you know, holistic doctors, cool shit, you know, like things that I yeah. needed to know that I wasn't, you know, necessarily um, privy to at that point. You know, I'm a 22 years old, whatever. So yeah. luckily I learned, I learned a good amount of shit from her. That's cool. Yep. Um, but yeah, I'm not sharing the screen anymore. I feel like I'm sharing it. Jim, what's up with you, buddy? Oh, not much. My, uh, can you hear me there? Yep. Yeah. Cool. Uh, real quick though let's let's tie it back around just really quick to the ufo thing where uh i find it have you looked into any of peter lavenda's work jeremy no i've heard his i've heard of him but i've never read any of his stuff or listened okay. to him. i should yeah it's great like sinister forces the sinister forces trilogy he'd been researching it for 25 years and finally just said screw it i'm gonna write it he kept trying to sit down to write it and more shit just kept piling on to the, the you know, the investigation. Yeah. Like, oh, fuck, man. Shit, shit, shit. So it ended up being like, it's called Sinister Forces. A, it's three-part trilogy. And it's all, each one is just better than the next. And it's a grimoire po American political witch, witchcraft. And essentially what it does, is it, it brings a, a thread through the mounds and what the hell's going on there to essentially... Um, Charles Manson, right? How all these connect it, it, it connects everything from like even some weird little synchronicities from that Hellier show. I don't know if you got a chance to watch that. It's pretty 
Paul Hellier? You mean the Hellier? Canadian guy? No, no, no. Oh. It's a town in um, Kentucky called Hellier. Oh, oh yeah, yes, yeah. All right. H e l l i e r, and it's on Amazon and whatever. There's a uh, Greg Newkirk and his wife do it. But anyway, it's it's super creepy and fascinating. There's a bunch of like really fucked up synchronicities in there. But the crazy one was that they tied their synchronicities in with both Mothman and all kinds of fourteen crazy, you know. Um, what's the guy's name who wrote? Why is my brain dying? That the guy who wrote a uh, butterfly, uh, butterfly effect. No, um, what's the name of it? Uh, who's the investigator? Why am I blanking on his name? Um, everybody knows who he is. He did the the Mothman prophecies. John Keel. Keel. Oh. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, so this little part of the world where Point Pleasant is, and and Lavenda digs deep into this, as well as uh, like West Virginia, you know, the Ohio River Valley or Basin or something like around there. And basically what he, what he figured out was that all these, this area has like a weird um, connection to Serial killers, crazy, basically just crazy, right? Like outright crazy, like a whole town. There's this this whole town. I can't remember what the name of the town was, but someone in the chat might know. But basically what it gets to is all of these things are tied together. And you can tell while you're reading it that Lavenda is like, damn it. I don't want to tie process church. I don't want to, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to tie Kenneth Anger to this, to this, to this, to this, to this. And it's just, it's wild, the connections that are made. Uh-huh. And you could tell he like did some Maury Terry, the guy who did um, like I don't remember the name of the book. I can't remember. I think it's like the the uh, root of all evil type thing. You know, like what what is evil kind of book. Uh-huh. Um, and he's more of a right wing, comes from the right wing, I guess that dude, and more of like an evangelical Christian, but doesn't I guess he kind of separates himself. I don't want to really say too much there, but um, basically what it is is. He, he basically breaks it down to it's all intelligence agencies and this is where we can draw that correlation I guess to, to Manson and to everybody to Gloria Steinem to Timothy Leary is yeah all these people are connected through you know some intelligence arm I guess or tentacle um, and that definitely seems to be the case of anybody you know with, with culture social engineering or you know that kind of thing or or um I'm sure everybody's heard where uh, people, I don't know if it was Mark Devlin, but breaking down um, rock stars and their connections to the uh, intelligence agencies like Dave. Intelligence and yeah, we, we have a lot on the books. Like right, on the record, we got what? We got Jim Morrison. His dad was, you know. Army. Gulf of Tonkin. Navy general. Yeah. We got him. There's a million sting and his connections to. Uh, oh. Yeah, they just go back further. Copeland. So many, yeah, it's it's insane. And there's the MK stuff, right? And yeah. the kids and the rock stars and all that crazy military base. Wait a minute. Uh, oh. Wait, what do you stuff? You know, what do you know? Uh, like, um, I think it was uh, Kathy O'Brien was talking about it. Maybe see. Um, Growing up and being taken to this military base where they taught her how to play the guitar, where she was supposed to be a country music star, and it's where they like taught these. You talked M- to Kathy O'Brien. MK, 
I no, I didn't. It was oh. it was from an interview that she did. You guys, what do you guys think of Kate? What do you guys think of uh, Kathy O'Brien? Jeremy, do you have an opinion? Do you know who this is? Uh, yes, yeah. it's interesting that what one time at uh, during we are change LA years, there was a proposal to do a an event about MK Ultra, and with the key speaker being Kathy O'Brien. Uh-huh. And and then what was very interesting, and they added this on, and I didn't know about what was going to be involved with this, is Roseanne Barr was there, and she said that wow. she had a history of mind control or abuse or something and like now that. now we know that she has DID, person at multiple. Oh, multiple, She's uh-huh. Diagnosed. Uh-huh, that's right. And then what's wow. interesting, too, is then they uh-huh. had this guy who was a, now, and it looks to me now that he's very much Scientology-associated psychiatrist who did a, a book about MK Ultra and it's so strange the beginning of the book basically says he thanks he thanks US intelligence or something like that because without them I would be in gulag it's the exact phrase that he uses when it was this and this event was very strange I didn't real there's these all these guys in the back with the black suits and stuff like that it was basically Scientology uh, and they looked like they were doing some kind of event security or at least sort of some kind of Security for her, maybe even. And the whole event to me struck me as a sort of a psyop of Not, some yeah. sort. Um, and I was, I didn't know what to think of her. She seemed, you know, interesting, but felt to me, I could feel, I could feel like the innocence of her heart actually when I talked to her. Like, but I, I got the sense she was handled still. I wonder, I wonder if what's his name. The the what's Mark something? Her yeah, her husband yeah, her slash handler. Handler. I mean, handler seems like right. I mean, let's be realistic though. I mean, when we look at we look at the salacious trash being peddled by people like Sarah Ruth Ashcraft or whatever the fuck. That's say her initials are SRA. People get it together. Satanic ritual abuse. Like, come on. Uh-huh. That's a tell. It's like the Dr. Andy Kaufman shit. That's another tell, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, I'll go. I don't care. I'll run with that all day. He's a quack. And I know that's a derogatory, like, like you know, anti-conspiracy. I don't give a shit. That guy's a fucking quack. That's who I think of when I, when I hear the word the quack. Definition, it's sort of a good, duck. yeah. It's a good, I uh, think of Andy fucking Kaufman right away. It just pops right away. I don't have to do anything. No, no uh, additional wiring, no batteries, nothing. Um, but no, it, it just feels like the salacious trash that, that, that Sarah Ruth Ashcraft pedals feels like I don't want to be mean, but it feels like it's Kathy O'Brien type. Like she definitely has to, to name the names that this woman named in the book, right. In transformation of America saying Dick, like, uh, look, I, I want to, oh, it's awful. I don't want to believe any of that happened. Right. That's awful. But if any of it happened, I do want to believe that it was Dick Cheney. Yeah. Who doesn't? Cause he's the fucking devil. Um, but I mean, the names like, and I believe it's actually where when you go into Franklin scandal, you can you can actually kind of compare notes, right? I believe huh. I feel like you can. Oh, interesting. Where, where in Franklin cover up, or Fra- they, within the Franklin scandal, it's it's talked about how some of the kids were telling their stories. And I, have you heard the Hunter Tom- Hunter S. Thompson stuff, Jeremy? N- no, I, oh. I don't think so. Okay, so basically. One one of the kids is re, like giving his um, 
you know, reti- retelling. This is what- Franklin. Yeah, yeah. This huh. is Franklin. Um, he says that he was. They were like blindfolded until whatever, and they're being flown. And he says he remembers being flown to McCarran Airport, not McCarran, but Las Vegas, because he heard you know them say it over the speakers wherever in the plane or wherever wherever he was, and. They, he said, I remember him picking somebody up and then them flying back and they went to Bohemian Grove after this. Okay. Uh-huh. And they all like went, he could name the spot, but it wasn't named in the book kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? And then, uh, but you can deduce that that's where, where they're going. Yeah. And then you also have, when he, they get there, the kid is like, I was forced to like participate in some disgusting sexual behavior. And then um, he said, Hunter, Hunter, the guy, the guy who was filming it, he words it like that. The guy who was filming didn't want to have anything to do with this, but was it felt like he was forced to film it, which was him, I guess, bending like sodomizing another boy in front of a like another dude while this dude was behind the camera for the whole thing. Wow. And it's alleged, yeah, it, he basically says it was Hunter S. Thompson without behind saying. the camera. Yeah. But he didn't wow. want to have anything to do. Like it was lit. And th- and when I'm thinking about this, I'm going, oh shit, no, can't believe, no, 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 I can't buy this one bit. But then, so I wrote it off. And then I'm like doing a little bit of research. I'm like, oh shit. And then I'm thinking, fear and loathing on the campaign trip. Fear- oh shit, shit. That makes. To- Why was this guy never targeted? You know what I mean? Kind of thing. Like he's, yeah, yeah all the shit he's talked. How is this dude still walking around? Well, if there's any blackmail. Out he's there. made. He sort of made me. It's interesting that then puts him in the Zapruder role at some, at some level potentially. Go. And I mean, not, it's obviously not the same because no, it's not the same scale. It's the same sort of. It's the same playbook, right? I mean, it yeah. is technically. Yeah. So, um. So yeah, I mean, I don't know much more about Zapruder. What 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 do you, what's the deal with Zapruder? Like his background. Have you looked into it at all? Or a little bit. Like his daughter put out a book fairly recently and I ran into it at the library and then I looked into it a little bit and he, you know, that he was 33rd degree Scottish Rite Jewish Freemason and he, he took the day off and went to the, the and I, the, actually the location of his offices I think is important too because in a lot, in a lot of these kinds of deep events, they're the things that are talked about the most are usually sort of pointing you either 90 degrees or 180 degrees, either just geographically or theoretically in the wrong direction often. So in terms, and one, we drove through Dallas with uh, one of my best friends, Joe Gale, on the way from like East Coast to LA. And we went to through Dallas and visited um, D- Daily Plaza. It looks like a it looks like Hollywood studios to me. I mean, the way it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks, it's not like anything I've ever seen in a a big city in the United States where it looks like it was built as a mock-up of the center of a town. And then, and now they have the museum, they have like the official museum in the the book depository building. And then there's the conspiracy museum across the street and it's all in the wrong direction. If you go, and I believe it's directly across from the plaza, the plaza from, from the book depository building, where it's a building called Dal, the Dal Tex building. That's where the uranium interests were. That's where the high level like ADL connections 
were the guys who helped architect the whole John Birch, like, uh, you know, uh, JFK is Bin Laden or something like that, right, right. guilty of treason and all of that. And, and the scheduling of the event is all out of the Dal Tex building on the yeah. other side. And I'll, be, I'll bet you that there's also the case that there was, you know, even if you think about the the snipers and all of that, there's probably a lot of activity in that area additionally at the very least in organizing what went down and so who knows the delay of the public release of the zapruder film it's obvious that there's something there was something being hidden what's well, a frame missing right yeah right exactly i mean and it literal we're talking literal cutting room floor type shit um yeah i don't know how many frames precisely we'd have to get what we'd have to get the freight train fetzer on here to talk about that but uh, <laughs> I think he's on Michael Deacon right now, actually, probably. Interesting. Um, but it's weird. I mean, like, what... So you... I can't even imagine. It does... From what everybody's told me, too, about Dealey Plaza, it does feel... They've all said that it has, like, a, a surreal, kind of, like, Alice in Wonderland weird vibe going on. And I, oh, yeah. It, I mean, may, may, it, Dallas is sort of strange in general. It has a very strange... There's an interesting... the uh, Something... Bellum's the... East Bellums or something like that, which is like the the art and loft district, which is sort of interesting. But overall, Dallas has a very dark vibe to it. To me, that's what it felt like. And then Daily Plaza just really feels like they slapped up some kind of place that's a good place to murder the president eventually. Yeah. Sort of felt like. Epstein Island shit? Yeah, yeah, right in the middle of Dallas, yeah. Oh, man. So so if we if we look back into... So Zapruder is just a random, supposedly right. That's the that's the story. He's just a random clothing uh, industrialist, you know, guy who makes clothes. And he just heard the president was coming, grabbed his trusty camera, went, got set up, and takes the film that changes the world or or something. Now, wasn't the film? Wasn't it released, I think, on Geraldo's show? I think it was like... Oh, right. Geraldo's involved, too. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Right, wasn't well, he sort of... He's also Epstein adjacent, I feel like. Oh, he's got to be. He's got to be. I mean, put him... It's hilarious. I mean, he makes a phone call yesterday. What is it, to Trump? I remember I, I heard he oh, called... Yeah. Yeah, he's he reassuring Trump. us. Just to, Yeah, he calls Trump to make sure for us worrying that he's not going to step down gracefully. Um, to to tell Trump that you know just to to reassure the American public that he is actually going to step down at some point and yeah. he's not just gonna yeah that's that's we had to make sure sick sick Geraldo on the case but um <laughs> what yeah I'm thinking what is 1975 76 I feel like Zapruder I was negative four that year or five sounds about right um oh, it's a, it's interesting then Dan Rather had a whole history with the Kennedy assassination too. What's if, if you go look up Dow, the Dow text building, actually you can see the exactly, Oh, Oh, that's interesting too. Now you see, you, you definitely see the sixth story of the book depository building oh. there. So it's exactly 180 degrees, but now towards the upper right, you see the nice pyramid. Of yeah, like some you, share, you want to share your screen or no? Let's see here. Yeah. Here, let me see. Go for it. See here. So I wonder if uh, if it's a 
if Google is time traveling and like, you know, the <laughs> book depository is like a Google asset in the past, perhaps. Uh, I guess it's not. Oh, there we go. Okay, cool. Weird. Maybe not. Well, it's definitely mapping the future that is will then determine the, the then past. Yeah, it's just a timeline. Yep. Okay. Like retro so, grade causality, retro. Retro, retro yeah, retro causality. Yeah. The pruder who shot it had his offices on the fourth floor. Okay, so. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. And uh, let's let's look uh, let's look up who's uh Okay, there's Aniston, Alabama. Um, Daltex uranium. Oh shit. Oh yeah, this is some this is some weird shit. Oh, there the floor right below. Uh, yeah. Morris Jaffe had help from LBJ's connections in Washington. Why to do get I know that alleged, name? Really? Why do I know that name? I don't know. Weird. I know that name. The Evitts. Oh, that's super weird. That Jaffe name. Where? What connection? I wonder. Oh, Atomic Energy Commission. Let's see here. Climax Molybdenum Company, Jaffe Associates. That was a great pronunciation there. Yeah. Climax, Colorado. <laughs> the uranium mine at Climax, Colorado. Someone needs to look into that fucking town ASAP. No, I got, I basically, essentially, I remember last week showing you were talking to T. Krulos about um, uh, the Denver airport. And my neighbor, who was an MP, he was actually stationed in Colorado Springs for a while. And he told me that he was stationed. They had him stationed at the Denver airport. And he was actually down in the lower levels. And he had no idea what was going and what was coming. It was just his job to guard, like, not a crossroads, but like a, you know, you can go separate ways kind of situation. Like a one of those... Uh, just one of those points where you're running, through, you know, you're walking through giant tunnels and you can either go, you can go three different directions, kind of like a split. And he had to guard there, make sure nobody came and nobody went. I'm like, what did you, and you know, he's conspired. Well, we'll leave it at this. This was in October 1st, uh, 2017. So this, having this conversation with Alex, probably October 3rd, 2017, when we're outside on the stoop going, nope, this is totally effed up. There's something really wrong here with this, this, the narrative here like it's totally off and then he i started go asking him some questions and that's how it got to the got to dia and what's actually down there oh and but yeah he was supposed to guard that spot couldn't do anything i was like so you didn't see anything nope but there's definitely big ass tunnels and definitely some if they had me down there guarding it i have to assume it's for you know i don't know what they're hiding but well, that's a good that's a big epicenter too military wise too that's what I'm saying. That's like a. That's what they say. The new CIA's headquarters is over towards. Uh, right. Towards Don't they have it Denver. near? Um, what's the, not Raven Rock? Um, that's one of the continuity of gov the cog centers. Uh, right. Raven Rock. Yeah. And then there's it's a dumb right. It's a deep underground military. Yeah. Dude. And then we've got the, what's the one in Colorado, Jim? Oh, uh, is it? Is that Los Alamos? No, no uh, Cheyenne Mountain. Cheyenne, Cheyenne Mountain. That's it. That's what it is, right? 
That's serious command so. center. Yeah. Yeah. NORAD. NORAD. Yeah. NORAD. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It's nice sense. I used to watch a lot of Stargate. Oh, yeah. You could never watch it. That's, that's in Stargate. No, I, I love. Oh, I used so. to love Stargate. Great show. Yeah, I forgot Great about show. that show. Who wait? Who was in Stargate? Is that Scott Bakula? Is that him? Uh, he was in, I think, one of the Stargates. Um, it was also the guy uh, MacGyver was uh, Richard like Richard a, Dean. No, Richard yeah. Dean Anderson. Yeah, that is it. Okay. So, uh, are we looking at something about Daltex? Yeah, yeah. We're looking at the. Um, so is Daltex? I mean, it's a, it's short for Dallas, Texas, but is it? A, it's a company. It's a building. building. Yeah, and I think it's the company that owned the building or something like that, and it's right across. 180 degrees from the from where Zapruder was at. Zapruder filmed. Did he film yeah. it? From there? And also where Oswald was supposed to be up in that window six story right there. Yeah, we've got a little few too many. I, I put. What would you expect like in a in a case like this? I mean, and the, the, I, the, sorry, go for it. Oh, the, I randomly uh, threw Daltex into an anagrammer. And uh, some of the some of the anagrams are taxed, exalt, axel, um, delt, delta, delta, hmm. delta, yep, ax, axel, huh? Deal, huh? Yeah. Related. I don't. I'm not sure what related means, but anyway, it's kind of a random. You have a gamatria calculator too, or no? Uh, I wish. I, oh, it's it's at 501 Elm Street. On the northeast corner of Elm and Houston, Zapruder's dressmaking business leased the fourth and fifth floors of that building. On the issue of who ran the Deltex building and could have provided the snipers with positions, I would say more who organized the entire event. That's what I would say. Zapruder was not the only interesting person connected to the Deltex building. The co-owner of the Deltex building was David Weisblatt a major financier of the Anti-Defamation League. They're always up to good things. We oh, know, yeah. Which, which has ties to Israeli intelligence is a key part of the is, Israeli lobby. The Israeli lobby hated Kennedy for going after its nuclear arms program and his brother for going after APAC itself, actually. <laughs> the Israeli, or bef- it was before APAC, it was known as AZEC, I think. Okay. The Israeli intelligence agency Mossad had close ties to the CIA. A number of firms in the Daltex building used the phone number of one Morty Friedman, who is active in the Zionist community and who was behind the Dallas Uranium and Oil Company, which was possibly helping Israeli manufa- Israel manufacture weapons. Friedman had other suspicious connections. Zapruder was, was a Zionist and a high-degree uh, Freemason, as well as a member of two CIA front organizations and the business partner of Jean, Jean de Mordenshield, the wife of Oswald's best friend in Dallas, who was also CIA. He was a friend of the mother of Lyndon Johnson's secretary, Olga Femmer, I never heard of her, who spent many years working at Nardi's in Dallas. And he was, through his CIA front groups, linked to the owner of the book Depository, D. Harold Byrd, Oswald's Russian CIA friend, George Shield, the woman who swore in Lyndon Johnson. Okay, so there's there's more here. Um, but I, I, I always think that that's an interesting uh, ge- uh, geography there a little too convenient yeah what a stage yeah that's that's just that's just crazy i mean the whole the whole thing like uh i'm just just kind of imagining it like uh like the 
you know, the on Back to the Future, the courtyard Universal yes. Studios, like yes. Town Square. That's exactly what it felt to, like to me. Wow. I, you know, and I grew up in Los Angeles, so I'd been to, to Universal Studios like uh, many times, and this felt faker than that to me. Nice. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, you you I, can see there, there, you, there, there's a little bit of grass space, but it's very, like in the middle, That's it's basically, you know, streets. It's not really meant to be hung out there. There's nothing really going on over here. It's just a thoroughfare, really. Yeah. So that's not... That's okay. So that's just a normal thoroughfare. It's super close to the interstate system, though, correct? Like right by uh, 35. Yeah, I think it's so. A, it's a stage for some bad actors. And m- maybe it just feels like a stage when like you're, you're walking there and you're not meant to be walking there or when they have the president drive through there and everyone's set up. Oh, and by the way, Umbrella Man, the best allegation I've heard of who Umbrella Man is, is the only... Uh, Con- confessor we have to September 11th, Michael Harari, the long-term uh, Mossad officer. Wait a minute. We had a... Con- slow this back this up. He confessed to 9-11, apparently. Who did? Michael Harari did. To- Harari. Finally. Yeah. He's dead now. <laughs> closure. We have closure. Confess. We don't have him on video, but... We have him confessing that Mossad is responsible for this. The, here's how. Here's the the allegation is that there's a an ex Soviet nuclear intelligence officer named Dmitry Kolosov, who has also said many things about September 11th too. But he was in Thailand. He said that during that time of September 11th, and actually working for Harari in in Southeast Asia and also he attributes a, a lot like things like the Bali bombing to Mike Harari and then his Mike Harari's patsies as the ones who are being blamed um, but he says that the morning after September 11th that Harari was celebratory and basically confessed to it so it's it's a, you know it's hearsay but it's a, it's the only time I've ever heard anyone say that someone confessed directly to them that they helped do 9-11 and in this case the figure fits in <laughs> Yeah, a little bit too, maybe uh, too much. Yeah, yeah, almost like it's like oh, this you know, no, nope, put the put the ball in the round hole. But know? what's interesting <laughs> is I I'd never considered Harari bef- before this actually, even though he's like the he's like the classic uh, Mossad officer. He was the guy. He ran Israeli intelligence in the Western Hemisphere basically all the time that we know of George H W Bush organizing the CIA's involvement in drug running. Throughout the you know Western Hemisphere, Harari was doing the same thing for the Israelis, and we barely hear anything about it. Holy shit! So, so was he was he born one of the mole kids, or was he just like an honorary mole kid? Harari? Yeah, because I thought that the mole kids did nine eleven. Oh, I, I don't <laughs> even. Who are the mole? The underground? The kids who live underground? Yeah, they crawl out of the dumbs. Yeah, that's where all <laughs> all the human trafficking and that's that's you know the mole kids. That's the mole stable. kids did nine eleven. I still have not 9/11. yet seen that on a shirt. <laughs> well, <laughs> so it's not true. You might have to make <laughs> weaving spider shirts. There you go. But only um, crack, only co- coffee. Yeah, coffee spider. Caffeinated the caffeinated. <laughs> yeah. Oh jeez. I gotta I gotta get a, a SP three hundred three like a doctor sample and just. Make me cool. Just grind that out. <laughs> um, it's coming. Um, so when we go, I guess uh, 
what other who okay, else? I'll stop sharing this screen here. That's all good for now. Or should I keep? I just keep it James P. Hubble. No, this is weird. Hubble is that Hubble Telescope? Oh, um, sure. Where is it? What do you see? Uh, it's the second paragraph, designed by architects. Oh, James, James P. Hubble. P. Hubble. No, I don't think yeah. so. Maybe not. And Herbert Miller. It could and be. Dallas National Bank Building. Herbert Miller Green. No, it's fascinating to just pour over what the, because I've never looked at it. I've never looked at this Wikipedia page in my life, so it's kind of weird to look at what. Wow, he's got some beautiful, uh, his uh, architecture, James B. Hubble. Does he? That's worth, that's worth a look. He yeah. some, um, oh, look, Frank, Garrison Frank. himself said in Playboy in September 1967 that the building was in all probability as being one of four locations I was just about to snipers ask, fired was it. this a sniper I was going to say this feels like a sniper's nest another location for a, a pretty good nest because you got everybody shutting the f up about it and I'm assuming they probably when they went on to do some of the investigation they looked into it but this wasn't one of the you don't hear the name of this building you do from researchers, but you don't hear it as much as the obvious book. Was this, was this building mentioned in Oliver Stone and Arnon Milhan's film? I'm not sure. I sort of doubt it. Yeah. It, it, does Jim Mars mention it? I'm trying to think. I don't I, know. I don't have... I, Crossfire, I loan that to a buddy. So I don't, I don't even think I have any Jim Mars books here, and I own like four of them. Maybe it's in the film. I'm not sure. Because if Proudy, look, Proudy's talking about it. Proudy was a a key. Uh, it was key input on JFK the film, I think. But I think, but but uh, what's his name? Uh, Mars was the main one. It was based on his book, right? Yeah, Crossfire. Is it he, James T. Hubble or James P. Hubble? Um, Never mind. James P. Hubble. Peter. Okay, there's a James T. Hubble that's active right now in uh, architecture and art. Weird. I wonder if that's probably his kid. Probably his kid. But going back, what is it saying about the consp- like conspiracy theories regarding the building? Well, that makes sense. All right, so that's one that it shots possibly fired from there, a sniper's nest in the building. In September 1966, Triumph's Lawrence R. Brown published an article stating that the bullet trajectories were traced back to a second floor window in the Dow Tex building. So it's all possible that the whole back into the left, back into the, that the whole Zapruder film scenario was actually meant to just distract from where the shot, where the actual kill shots came from. That's a, it's, it might be as simple yeah. as that. Yeah. And the, or the driver doing it scenario. That might all just be distraction. I don't know. Have you heard about the one where uh, there was a, the president's wife was uh, dressed in drag. Like she was a secret service guy dressed in drag that day. And he I didn't shot that. the president. I heard that she did just as herself. As herself? Yeah. Yeah, Jackie. Yeah, Jackie. Well, I will say this. The Remember, all right, just going back to looking at the Life magazine, how it's so blatant that there's, well, the first shot, and you're looking at that photo, and the fucking street sign is just right all up in the fucking <laughs> perfect, perfectly placed to block 
the first like anything coming from the first shot so you get nothing there i can't yeah i just can't i don't buy it and it's it's too too much okay this is fascinating it was it was definitely uh storyboarded before. <laughs> yeah, that's what i'm yeah, saying that, yeah exactly yeah. it's 100 percent, dude so we've got we're looking right now at the Warren Commission Exhibit 876, showing the location of the Dow Tex building. We have numbers one through 11 itemizing each of these buildings. Um, oh, it's, I see. It's actually, oh, okay. So to me, it looks like it's actually right next to oh, it's the, the book depository building. It's ideal. It's got to look at, think about that in the back and to the left, dude. I mean, oh, Looking at it for people audio only, we're looking at the Dealey Plaza and we have we have the Dow Tex building, which we're talking about right now, right perfectly in the path of Elm, right? Yeah, Elm yeah. right there. It's a, yeah. right there. So I was wrong. It's not it's not directly across from it, it's right next it's to it. Right literally next to it, and it go yeah, it's on Elm. This is this feels like that's the spot, and it's close enough far enough back to where it's not yeah. going to, it's, yeah, it's, it's it'll like, sound like it came from the right same exactly. place. It'll basically just a few, few degrees off. So it'll sort of look like it came from the same place. Right. So when all right, you, that oh, makes sense, they go measuring trajectories and bring, get all CSI on everything. Remember it's 1963 and there's no film. There's one film of it. Essentially. I'm sure there's, there's another one. I can't remember the guy's name. He's got a funny last name or a well, funny look at the, uh, notice, uh, on the, uh, the left-hand side there, underneath of the uh, Texas School Book Depository, which is labeled number one. Right? Yeah. There's a nine and eleven right next to each other. Oh, <laughs> it is. There is. <laughs> Pergolas. Totally. Yep. Pergolas, whatever that is. I don't know. That's the Pergolas is a park. The park. Okay. It's like an arboretum. Pergolas. Pergolas. The pergolas at the park. Pergolas. Oh, the, that's the that's the grassy knoll. That's think, where the isn't the it? Yeah, that is yeah. The yeah. Yeah. Then so the fence would be right there, up in sort of surrounding the pergolas, probably or okay. something like that. And, and that yeah. a, and then the eleven <laughs> is a triple underpass. Yeah, triple it's underpass. Triple underpass. I wonder when this was. This little uh, key was nineteen sixty-three. This probably? was released in sixty-three. It feels like it. Is it in your book? No. No, because the was, book was, I guess the book or the, the, the lifetime, the life issue was actually, I'm guessing probably a week after it was released. I didn't necessarily find, um, I didn't find much on, cause that was what I was looking it up for. I'll actually look it up again. Okay. Yeah. Well, it was, it was pretty, uh, pretty propaganda -y magazine oh yeah how they're magazine the life and times of uh lyndon b johnson a little bit a little bit oh, too yeah. hard um, okay i see so so this is actually this is the deltex building that we're looking directly at in the depository in the picture here to the left correct it's it the, the yeah the depository is directly to the left and then the pyramid sits right oh, yeah. on top of it all too ominously do you want i don't to know, know if that was i don't know if that was built after or what but. on that i wonder if it's the same orientation of the pyramids it looks like it. well that's 2003 this could be a, a later that's basically the marking of their territory i think right after yeah. the fact yeah like lo a, yeah, looming lording as above so below with the the two pyramids you they, know, ta the they tagged it up they've like 
Yo, homie, you got a nail right here, bro. You know, like, so just tagged it up. <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> it's uh, Osiris's prick. Oh, boy, this is a creepy spot, though. It is, uh... I mean, maybe if it hadn't happened there, maybe it wouldn't feel so creepy. Guys, it came out January 1st, New Year's Day, 1963. I'm not even going to do oh. number running on this one, but... Wow. So, yeah, I wonder what building that is lording. This one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Find out who, who, yeah, built that, who owns okay. that. Yeah. So downtown Dallas... Dallas Skyline. Okay, let's look at the... So... So that's right there, the West End Historic District. And that's from the Southwest, that photo. So there you go. So it's over here somewhere probably, huh? Well, wasn't that last photo shot? It says from view from the southwest. Yeah, so it was it was from here up so, to here, and so like the, here's the depository. So we're looking, yeah, we're in that direct path. So it's somewhere over here, probably. Yeah. Okay, so let me see here. Hmm. I wanted, what was that guy's name again? What was else was he involved in? Oh, that's, I just wanted to complete the loop on the 9-11 paymaster also being involved with, oh yeah, there it is. Okay. Feinberg, also one of three arbitrators who oh. determined the fair market value of the Zapruder film of the Kennedy assassination and was one of two arbitrators who determined the allocation of legal fees in the Holocaust slave what labor litigation. He is a former lecturer in law at a number of U.S. law schools. Fine, Feinberg was the chairman of the board of directors for the John F. Kennedy Library Foundation. Oh, isn't that sweet, too? He's a director. Oh, look. He's he worked for 33 months entirely pro bono. Oh, my God. For September, <laughs> yeah. Everybody here, drop all these mics as hard as we can and run away from the building. Confirmed. Because this is, this is the most egregious shit I've ever read in my life. Got September like 11th. Tagging up Wikipedia. They're doing it. Okay, yeah, this is Wikipedia, guys. Okay. Jeremy, do you want to read this line? This is straight up verbatim out of Wikipedia. Which one? The September yeah, 11th? Yeah, read that, read that okay, again me, in its whole. We're looking okay, up. Let me, let me highlight this right oh here. Oh, my this. God, dude. This is, this is egregious. So, so first, he did help determine the fair market values of the Pruder film of the Kennedy assassination. This is J.D. Feinberg, right? Uh, um, yeah. uh, Kenneth Feinberg. Kenneth Feinberg. Yeah. And, uh, and then September 11th Victim Compensation Fund. Appointed by Attorney General John Ashcroft to be special master of the fund. Feinberg worked for 33 months entirely pro bono. Oh, oh no. That sort of sounds like the Israeli intelligence working pro bono and protecting all of our hospital data right now. That's so there sweet. you go. Kind of funny, Just, right? Oh, that's sweet. so nice. Yeah. That's so nice of them. Yeah. This, Thanks, this, guys. They're like criminal defense lawyers. They're just like helping the downtrodden. It's really <laughs> sweet. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so he, uh, he administered this program that basically this was the 
epicenter of the 9-11 cover-up because they didn't want any of the family members having standing to take it into a court where there could be discovery and witnesses and expert testimony yeah. and all of that. Remember what how crazy it went when they tried to even put the uh, the patsy of 9-11, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, on trial in oh. the Article 3 civilian court in Manhattan in, during the Obama administration, and all the 9-11 perp-adjacent people went crazy. <laughs> they went totally crazy against it and shut it down. So, and then the, the judge who oversaw all this stuff was... Um, What's his name again? Oh, I forgot Alito. his name. What was the name? Uh, Elite. No. Oh, what's his name? It was, wasn't it uh, the? Wasn't it O.J. Simpson's judge? Ito. Ito. No, no. I'm thinking about the the federal judge who all of the the 9/11 uh, trials. We just we looked him up before. I can't, um. I can't. Oh, here. Nine, there it is. Hellerstein. Alvin Hellerstein. Alvin Hellerstein. Here we go. Look at and watch this. Alvin Hellerstein, son. I C T S. Okay, so here's, uh, well, let's first see this. Okay, Alvin Kenneth Hellerstein is a senior United States District Judge of the United States District Court for the Southern District of New York and has presided over several high-profile cases. Hellerstein was born in New York City, New York, to Rose and Max Hellerstein and is an Orthodox Jew. He attended the Bronx High School of Science, graduating in 1950, Columbia College, Columbia Law School, JAG Corps, U.S. Army, President and Chairman of the Board of Jewish Education. I'm not sure what that organization's about. Um, Notable cases, World Trade Center. In 2003, Hellerstein agreed to hear a consolidated master case against three airlines, ICTS International. (laughs) It says Deutschland, right? Okay, so let's look at that. ICTS, Deutschland, right? ICTS International is a Dutch firm that develops products and provides consulting and personnel services in the field of aviation and general security. It was established in 1982 by former members of the Shin Bet, Israel's internal security agency, and the El Al Airline Security Agents. Okay. And Pinkerton's airport security firms, the World Trade Center owners, and Boeing uh, company, the aircraft manufacturer. Pinkerton. Definitely the Pinkerton. Same Pinkerton. What is going on? It's the same Pinkerton. It's the same. I know it is. It's the it's same. crazy. Security yeah. apparatus or whatever the hell. Whatever you the same the one. Didn't, didn't the Rockefellers use Pinkerton? Oh, yeah. Pinkerton's. It used to be like the Secret Service. Sort yeah, of. They, they protect. They were the security apparatus for anybody that was. Uh, you know, 100, they, 200 years ago. Yep. They, they're. And, you know, we don't. He, it's funny. We don't. This like, is, it was a private security. Right. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like Illuminati. Like the Blackwater, the Blackwater of their age, yeah. but domestic, yeah. like domestic policing. Yep, that would make yeah. sense. Okay, so here on January twelfth, two thousand six, Hellerstein dismiss, dismissed the last remaining property damage claim against New York City, while leaving pending several other suits against other parties, among them the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. According, according to Reuters, six insurers sought repayment from the city for expenses arising from the collapse of whatever a of, of 47 story office building near it the twin towers it's don't even seven. say building seven it's fucking building seven and they won't even say it 47 <laughs> stories that's building seven which adds up to 11 it's interesting there you go yeah i was about Hel- to say where's the calculator yeah hellerstein ruled new york had sovereign immunity all right and so so basically if kenneth feinberg paying off the family so as few cases 
go in front of Judge Hellerstein he sovereign as immunity. possible. And and he yeah. rules that the New York, New York, New York City has sovereign immunity. Okay. Now here, Judge Hellerstein's unethical connection to key defendants. We just read on his Wikipedia page that he oversaw the ICTS case. And now here is an article from Christopher Bolin. 9-11 judge is connected to Rothschild-funded Mossad culprit ICTS. Hellerstein, it is very crass, and it probably will come back to be critical of me, but there is an expression that is sometimes very useful. Money is the universal lubricant. Oh. It makes it easier to go on with one's life. Oh, my God. What a sick fuck. Look at this dude. This, dude's a, this dude looks like a gangster to me. I'm sorry. He I, know he, I know he's an honorable federal judge. I know he oversaw this important case. I'm sure it was all just. And he, you know, the, this bastard judicial system is so corrupt. 9-11 widow Ellen Mariani. I'd probably go with her, actually. He handles, he's the judge who handles all oh. 9-11 in litigation. His son is an Israeli lawyer who emigrated to Israel in 2001 and whose law firm works for and with the Rothschild-funded Mossad company responsible for the 9-11 terror attacks. That's a powerful assertion, Bolin. Yeah, it is. This presents a clear case of criminal conflict of interest and explains why Hellerstein has protected the Israeli culprits of the false flag terrorism of 9-11 by preventing a trial and blocking any legal discovery of what really happened. Oh, you know who else is, is involved? Wasn't it Ari Man? Uh, what's his name? What's the guy's name? The uh, former press secretary for Bush? Uh, Ari Fleischer. Yeah, Ari Fleischer, dude. Wait, he, where is he? Con he's connected? I don't know. I think he's also connected to uh, Ari Fleischer's brother, ICTS. Or uh, What was that? That's maybe not be true. Oh. No, it's not. It's not the same connection. Okay. I think Ari Fleischer's brother is uh, is involved. Well, I forget what it was. This is quite a mess, dude. Look at this. Ari Fleischer, nine eleven, Israel's point man in the White House. Oh Jesus! I know. Oh, he. There he is with the Chabadniks. I mean, this is so interesting because, like, the United States, America was it was like actually the domain of like the Jewish reformists and Jewish conservatives. So wasn't and, Ari? What you say? There he is. What the fuck? Oh, what? Come on, Ari. He's got the still of him. Hook him horns. That's what it means. It just means he's a big. Oh, sorry, guys. Um, just there's Chabad beliefs hey. there. The horns. Chabad's. Hey. Oh, there, here's was, here's was his was brother. Fleischer's brother. Yeah, here's his brother, Michael Paul Fleischer. He looks good. <laughs> I trust him with. Sure, he would be a great babysitter. Audio. Yeah, <laughs> I think I don't know. He doesn't have that. Ugh. Ari Fleischer's older brother, Michael Paul Fleischer, has been president of the Israeli-owned Bogan Communication International Incorporated of Ramsey, New Jersey, since 1997. What do we know about this place? Bogan Communication. Bogan's product line includes sound processing equipment through its European operations, speech design, GmbH, a German company with subsidiaries in Switzerland and Israel. It develops, manufactures, and distributes voicemail systems, as well as unified messaging digital voice processing systems. 
1996, a manufacturing subsidiary, subsidiary Speech Design Israel Limited, began production of some of Speech Design's product line in Israel. Oh, look. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh, looks, look at those voicemail systems. Yeah, right. I'm sure Israeli intelligence has nothing to do. No access. No. Oh, dude, that would totally. Oh, man. <laughs> this is when you need when you had to use these phones, these, the, the, yeah, the yeah. belts, you know, Ma Bell. Oh, look, it's de designed and developed in the USA. Of course. <laughs> yeah, of course it is. Oh, my God. It's sort of like Breitbart. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, they're American. They're American. It's made, conceived in Israel, made in the USA. Oh, my God, dude. Insane. Or we make it easier to communicate. When did you do that in uh, LA, we are changed? What, did you know, do you know Luke then? something or what we we ended up meeting luke in 2000 i think it was 2007 when we started we are change la and we Damn. went to new york that year and i was against i thought we should just start our own separate thing because what we were doing was there was a an la 9-11 truth group but it wasn't very activist oriented it wasn't very street oriented and we wanted to do like a think act tank where we would sort of take strategic action for like and we developed some interesting stuff like we developed like a bannering above uh, above freeways with really big blue clear banners about what to search for and stuff like that. And so we, they, the, the other co-founders wanted to be associated with We Are Change and Infowars and all of that. And I was, didn't want to. I thought we should just do our own thing, but I compromised. And so we just called it We Are Change LA. So real quick, why don't, why don't you, um, where did you get started? Like, where do you get started in all this? Where do you, like, how do you fit into this, the equation that is like, where did you, yeah, like, how did you start doing, start looking into, you know, awful acts? And I mean, just basically what, what, what sparked your, like, where are you in college? Like, give, give us. Give That's us sort of when I got started getting interested in things. Like okay. I took a, I went to um, college in Williams College in Western Massachusetts if from it was going to be 96 to 2000, but then I took a year off um, after my sophomore year. So 97 to 98 ish and, and went back home to LA and I started working with a uh, peace uh, lobby organization out of Sane Freeze. It was known as Peace Action at that time. And, and that's sort of when I got started researching about foreign policy and the military industrial complex and stuff like that, and then went back to college and finished and did more like uh, teaching and uh, DJing and music production with friends and in, up in the Northeast area. And then eventually moved back to LA and went to work again for the, for the peace action group in LA and then was, began studying a lot more about like deeper truth and deep politics stuff and started seeing how it was connected and started talking to people within the organization. And when I got to like 9-11 and then Israeli involvement in the war policy post 9-11, it got very uh, uncomfortable. <laughs> and then they shut down our LA Canvas office at that point. And it was around that time that I was really getting into studying 9-11. Cause when I lived back in the Northeast, we like, year after I graduated from college, lived with a friend in like a small little, uh, really beautiful house in like Southern Vermont and had a job teaching music to like a K through eight school, all contained, didn't even have internet for most of that year. And so didn't, you didn't really know that there was anybody, and this is right, 9-11 happens the 
you know, the September after I graduate from college. And I, all I heard was like a lit every so often I could hear like some democracy now on some public, you know, community station from Bennington, Vermont or something like that. And heard Amy Goodman and Noam Chomsky and stuff like that. But I had no clue that there was even people that were like questioning what had happened on nine 11. I knew it was shady. There was some, it felt weird the day of, because yeah. I was actually with my family down in Southern California the morning of. And I remember that um, Steve Pachenik's writing partner, uh, Tom Clancy, was on television the morning of. And now I was like, what? I thought this dude was a fiction writer. What, what, right. what he's, he's analyzing what for us here now? And, but I never really looked at it. And then like somewhere in 2004, I remember like we were doing hip hop shows in the sort of Pioneer Valley area and go to shows, do stuff. And I remember getting a flyer outside of a hip hop show in Northampton, Massachusetts. And it, it was like a deception dollar and some other stuff. And it led me in the direction of like Michael Rupert hmm. investigations. And it never, that never quite got me all the way there because it didn't take me to the epicenter of ground zero. And so it was still sort of in the realm of they knew things, they might've let it happen and all of that. And so it wasn't until I moved back to LA with my friend Joe. And that's actually what we went through Dallas was when we were moving from East coast back to LA where in LA I heard on the radio like uh, lectures by like David Ray Griffin and they would play snippets of loose change. And then I just was off and running and doing reading and stuff like that and just continued ever since on that really. Right. So you, are you, I was going to say, so you were running a canvas office in LA then for the LA we are change. Uh, Peace action. Okay. Peace action. So yeah, yeah. You know, well, as long as it wasn't the Pergs, right? Um, you know, it wasn't the Pergs. It was a, it was sort of adjacent. Yeah, that's what I did when I moved to Austin. Yeah. I was canvassing for the Pergs, Tex Perg. Um, but that's no, like, what's his name? Nader. Nader started those, right? I believe so. Yeah. 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 They're like up there with Sierra Club, but Sierra Club. I'm looking into them. I was like, wait a minute, this whole network is just rot with gross shit. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, ugh. Um, yeah. Ugh. That's about the time when I started understanding like the the hangouts and the cover and the left deception and all of that. And there I was, you know, there was We Are Change and a lot of 9-11 truth was at that time began to be severely, you know, sponsored or umbrellaed under the under like Infowars. Right. Sort of like a more right wing orientation but it was still like you were st- still hearing cool. on the left, like, you know, Pacifica radio, little and, bits here and there. Right. And I remember that. That was a weird time because it was like, because uh, I, I, I come from the left side of it, too, with Noam Ch- I, remember I had I like four Noam Chomsky books when 9-11 happened. I remember like I was into, uh, it was just in a weird stage, but I remember being like, oh, this just doesn't feel right kind of thing, you know, and there's just too many coincidences here. Um, it, but then the, when he found the, when he found the passport, I'll never forget. I remember that going through my mind, going, this is wrong. No, this is fake. Like all of this is bullshit. Not all of it, but you know, cause you're just like sucking it up and kind of still watching shit burn. And he's like, I can't think like that right now, but it's kind of like, no, I remember getting that chill and just being like, this is, this is, they know way more. Um, but it's wild. It's wild to think about. So are you teaching, like, are you still teaching right now? What are you doing for, 
you teaching music? No, I don't. I don't teach anymore. Okay. I mainly just do radio, working on developing radio. Okay, awesome. Um, what kind of like like real old radio, like like transmitting and stuff? No, just like pro programs, like uh, doing the antidote, and then we have a program on uh, community radio in Kansas City called nice. Understanding Israel Palestine. So what did you? I sort you, of supply the like the deep politics analysis. Where you're an expert. Where where would yeah. I find where would I find that? That's called it's on kkfi.org called Understanding Israel Palestine. So and we're going to start posting like all of our past shows. We've done it for like a year there for every month and now we're doing it every week. And we sort of rotate as producers. So are you, how did you fall into the, the category of like what you're, you know, with Israeli, Palestinian, how did you, what, what lit your fire for this? Like what, besides that, besides 9-11, besides all, is there anything you can really think of or pinpoint that kind of lit, lit a fire underneath you? Um, Just investigating and investigating 9-11 and the wars and all of that. And I was, I was raised Jewish in Los Angeles and had my bar mitzvah at the same temple as, um, what's her name? May Brussel did, where her father was the rabbi there. It was her old school temple yeah. there. And I remember it was, my bar mitzvah was right around the same time as like the Gulf War. Okay. And I remember one of my friends that I played soccer with at the time, he really understood the injustice of the Gulf War and what was going on at all that time. And I didn't really understand it at that time when I was 13. And, you know, later on, I began to connect the dots in relationship to U.S. foreign policy post 9-11, especially in terms of Iraq war and all of that kind of stuff. And, um, and so then just discovering more and more about that, then began to head in the direction of Israel intensely. And I think being as a Jewish American, it was doubly difficult to maybe psychologically or emotionally to deal with the American aspect, the sort of in quote unquote inside job aspect of 9-11, and then also to begin to put together the pieces that even that was very likely sort of a limited hangout for the fixed point reference, which was very much more likely in Israel. And then sort of began to look more into the actual geopolitics on the ground there and Palestine and the background of Israel and Israel's history and all of that. And even to this day, that's why like the, our show in Kansas City is split amongst three of us, um, two, uh, two women that I met in a local group over there called Citizens for Justice in the Middle East. And they, one of them actually focuses a lot more on like the direct Palestinian perspective and talks to Palestinian activists on the ground and like doctors from a COVID perspective or people uh, who know what's going on in Gaza, but also Palestinian academics and activists here in the United States. And then our other co-host, she really deals with it from like a international perspective, international law people from non-governmental organizations talking about uh, the law in relationship to Israel-Palestine. And then I deal with the, the sort of hardcore geopolitics 
of is of the Israel lobby, Israeli espionage, the relationship of like the like I interviewed um, uh, the author Seth Abramson, who's written some of the most thorough sort of mainstream reporting. It's sort of syn syn synergistic journalism of like all the mainstream news about 2016 and the Trump collusion background. And so I interviewed him specifically about a second book, which is called Proof of Conspiracy, that delves into the Middle Eastern component of the 2016 election operation, which centers around people like Netanyahu, George, George Nader, who is the, at the epicenter between the UAE and Netanyahu and Putin, and then back to the United States, and is also now a pedo, you know, an acute, or convicted pedophile, I believe. Um, and so, so I sort of cover that kind of stuff for that, for that show. And so I, I, at first I wanted to cover more of like the Palestinian perspective, but then I also realized that my strength is to be, to be able to speak from, a, an actual American and also a Jewish American perspective and help other Americans specifically understand that this is not just about over there per se. And that's usually the way I've seen like the sort of left side be totally controlled by basically that the net, the, all the charities and non-governmental organizations are all focused the liberals to the left on, Oh, the, those poor people over there yeah. and away from the actual lobbies and powers over here that maintain the power structure, and especially in relationship to something like nine eleven and the wars in Israel, that is so obvious. And so, as a as a as a American and as a Jewish American, I feel like it's in my wheelhouse and also my responsibility to deal with the American component of this Jewish state power thing. For sure. So, so I have a question for you. If I, I don't mean to sidebar too much, but um. Was it a big deal, uh, the the coin, the with Trump on it, linking him to Saul, or to the um, wasn't it to uh, Cyrus? I think Cyrus. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. It wasn't in in my sphere, but I, I, I imagine it might. It probably was in like the some of the sort of orthodox spheres, is Israeli centric. But I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know. Have a cultural understanding. Yeah. I mean, um, I think there's a lot made of it. Like, if you look at the numbers in terms of voting for Trump in the United States, obviously, like, the majority of Jews voted against Trump, but the vast majority of Orthodox Jews voted for him. Yeah. That seems to be the case. And that, I think that's largely because of the, the power of, like, Chabad and that a lot of or, or ultra-Orthodox you know, you hear about the, you know, the small groups of ultra-Orthodox who are like anti-Zionists, per se, but they don't have a lot of political sway and power. And I, and I guess the thing is, like, if you go to Russia, Chabad is like 98% of the Jewish community life there. So they are massively in power there, and they're at the right hand of Putin, too, in terms of Burel Lazar, the Putin's rabbi. And so that's a lot of the, the research also I've been working on is seeing this multipolar shift in dynamics where Israel becomes the hinge point. It's almost like where, you know, Rothschild city of London, they help create Israel. And then Israel becomes this, this hinge point between the West and towards the East and the belt road 
an initiative and China and Israel and Russia and Israel and still the U.S. and Israel and England and Israel and all of that and sort of this and, and the technology and I, the, the new Apple chip, it looks like it was also designed in Israel. Yeah, so well, at some point, we, you know, I thought we were, didn't we design the Internet here in this country? Didn't, right. we, didn't we help design the, the personal computer? But we can't design our, our chips. We have to have a country the size of New Jersey design our chips for us. The, is that what the really the M1 chip is coming from there? No. That's what it looks like. Yeah. Oh, fuck you, Intel. It's it's, it's also the, the, there's an Israeli designer. It's not Intel anymore. That's, no, I know. That's what I'm saying. They, oh yeah, but in, Intel was designed there too. Oh, of course it was. <laughs> of course it was. So that's oh, see man. that that's what I, I, I as an American I we, that's we need to reincorporate our political power. We need to reincorporate, reintegrate. Maybe would be the way yeah. to say it. Our technical power our industrial power we still have it here we've just been destabilized and there's a sucking sound a transfer sound going on here and we need to uh reestablish ourselves don't you do you get harassed i'm sure you do for talking shit on zionism when people don't even fucking understand any of it essentially a lot of people don't they just oh you know you get the you get the knee-jerk reaction idiots you know uh, not idiots, but I guess, and then you say anything neg- in a negative connotation, you're an anti-Semite. You, you know, uh, yeah. it's been weaponized. Clearly. It, can ha- it can happen like that. I've seen, it depends on what kind of, you know, if you're you- on the, if you're on the internet, like if you're yeah, often like not on sort of like YouTube channels or something like that, we not usually am not receiving like tons of stuff like that. But mm-hmm. like where Greg and I, Soon after Greg and I met, we went to this event at the Kansas City Public Library that was sponsored by the Kansas City Public Library, the Truman Library Institute, and the Jewish Community Foundation of Kansas City. And they brought the former uh, diplomat to Israel, Dennis Ross, there, who's a part of this APAC offshoot, uh, the WINEP, Washington Institute for Near East Policy, which is where this infamous clip of this guy, Patrick Clausen, in 2012, where he's saying, how are we going to... How are we going to get to, we're in the game, people. How are we going to get to an American president to war with Iran? And he architects about false flags or covert operations or deceptions. And Dennis Ross is sitting right next to him on that panel. Um, And so Ross gives this lecture and then they open it up for questions. And I ask a question about a series of facts. One of them that I just discovered in relationship to that event was that the Stern gang, which is also known as Lehi, which was like the most sort of militant extremist Zionist terrorist group. And they would flip very intensely in terms of their political affiliations. They would work with Stal- they would work with Stalinist Russia, and then they would also work with Hitler's Germany. And they were, you know, pretty, they were sort of like, you know, Stalinist fascist types and sure. definitely down with terrorism and involved with like the Irgun who helped blow up the King David Hotel um, uh, where there was lots of British people, including Jew, uh, Jewish Brits. So obviously it was like a Jew on Jew violence of some sort to found the state of Israel. But I brought up this fact that, that that group had sent a letter bomb to President Truman the year before he recognized Israel. And it was that it was depicted in his daughter's Margaret's book. And then I brought up the King David Hotel bombing. And then I made an assertion about September 11th and Zionist elements there. And... And so then we were having a back and forth. And then out of nowhere, I get grabbed by the security uh, chief of the quote unquote Jewish community of Kansas City. It's sort of like a trademark. It's a 
corporation yeah. of different groups and they mm-hmm. hired, there was a, a shooting by this very shady character B- before the shooting. He was shady too. Um, uh, sort of Ku Klux Klan associated guy, but who was on the radar of like the Southern Poverty Law Center and did a shooting outside of a Jewish community center in Kansas City in 2014. And then so soon thereafter, they hired a Jewish community security officer for the entire area for all of their facilities and so then this guy met this Kansas City police detective at the Fusion Center. They were both working at the Department of Homeland uh, Security Fusion Center in Kansas City. And then six months before this event, they both went on this finance trip to Israel to visit the sites, to visit the Knesset, to, to uh, train, to see the wall, to sort of see where the terrorists, Palestinian terrorists lived on the other side of the walls, the way that the detective said it. And then six months later, they both were involved in grabbing and then having me arrested uh, at this event while I was at the microphone using civil speech. And then I was, I was under charges for more than a year alongside the, the Kansas City Public uh, Library uh, employee who helped organize the event and allowed the security to come in the first place. And, uh, and so I'm still wow. involved in a civil suit on the other side, a pro se with my wife's help. Um, they, so they've, we eventually got them to drop the charges. We, the librarian won his, his case. They escalated the charges against him and then he was found not guilty. And then we both filed suit against different parties. And then mine got thrown out against the, the detective. Um, and so now I'm working to appeal it in the eighth circuit, which is everywhere from Arkansas up through like the Dakotas and based on real recent Supreme court law around and i've learned a lot about like the the way because the way that you like an individual can can seek like reparations and hold people accountable is under the ku klux klan act really that's where it came from was in the wake of 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 the civil war and where where the they were trying to prevent the conjunction of police forces and ku klux klan and i've done research too about the ku klux klan does come out of some of the forces yeah benay brith yeah exactly yep. and and sort of aspects of confederate intelligence which benay brith was also involved with and all of that kind of stuff and the knights of the golden circle and all of that so it's so it's very interesting like that that then that it's in that's the american law where the american people are trying to you know, cement and hold our, our God-given rights is based on this law that was meant to keep the Ku Klux Klan, a.k.a. B'nai B'rith, in check. Right. Um, so, dude, that's, that's, the most, that's the most sort of severe b- blowback I've had from that. And, and the, the detective who arrested me, he, he falsely charged me with trespassing when I, it's on my own video that I offered to leave multiple times and then did leave once they stopped grabbing me. And then he depict, he put a tag me with a hate crime, an anti-Jewish hate crime code on my trespassing charge that his supervisors told him to take off and he refused to take it off. And they believe his supervisors think it's still on my arrest record to this day, basically, and being shared with databases, basically. Oh, and one last thing is when it when that finally hit the press and then it spread to like the the Jewish and Israeli press, there was a comment on one of the Israeli press stories of a Jewish guy who said that I should be stoned, actually, that I, I got off easy and that I should have been stoned for what I said. Wow. How dare you question anything? And Facebook allowed it just to sort of sit there. So on that story. 
Dude. Oh. That's. That sucks. Yeah. That's insane. Disgusting, dude. Yeah. What year was this? That was 2016 that I was arrested and then charged until 2017 summer. And then been in, in sort of civil suit ever basically a year after that ever since. And where's where were you what what where were you arrested? It, at the Kansas City Public Library. Kansas the, City. Yeah. Oh, which was very strange that we then it was their pla, the plaza branch and it's in the same building as this law, legal firm that we then found out in when was that twenty was that twenty nineteen when the, the Shadow Lords, whoever they called that that group that had all the 9-11 documents and started releasing it the like first of the year. I think that was last year, beginning of 2019. Yeah, they, it was anonymous, wasn't it? No, it was the Shadow Lords. Something Shadow, Shadow Lords. Yeah, something like that. Weird, but I remember them threatening and you give us this amount, wasn't it Bitcoin? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and it was escalating levels for this level of yeah, documents Yeah, to get or this something. information. I remember that now. I really actually, I remember that pretty- <laughs> Because I was on Twitter, I remember them posting that, and yeah, but nobody dove in because it just went away. Yeah, it just sort of went away. What, what was it? Away? And so it turned out that one of the major loads that they had was the civil suits for probably some of the airlines that we just read about, about how federal judge Hellerstein was seeing all of these cases, that the same firm was actually in that same building there where the Kansas City Public Library Plaza branches. It was go. sort of a strange coincidence yeah. many years later. It all, yeah. Of course it connects. <laughs> of course it does. The, uh, that's just, that's wild, dude. Ugh. The guy was off duty. So it was, it's interesting because there's a lot of like overlapping of stuff about private and public and how in off duty is a thing. Like there was an off duty police officer who shot a fire, a Kansas city fireman on his wedding night in Kansas city. He was working for a hotel. And so that has the background to me of like, Oh, he's working to, in terms of a private property holder. So he's maybe overly jumpy and overly in service of a private property owner and not in terms of public safety. And so this was a much more reduced in terms of physical violence. I didn't, I didn't suffer much physical violence. I just got, you know, a bruise on my upper arm, but the librarian got his knee all messed up and had to have surgery and stuff. And, uh, they but took so, him out like that. I mean, they've, yeah, the, 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 the lead detective here is slow. He's still in power. He's still in power too. No, I've basically, my wife and I have outlasted everybody here. Basically the governor has come and gone. Uh, We're on our third governor in the midst of this case. Uh, The police chief has come and gone. That police detective was let go at the end of 2018. Something the, the head of the security for the Jewish community has been since let go and since they've actually acquired a Secret Service guy and actually met him and he's much, much more with it. Secret Service, they know how to deal with like people that in sort of First Amendment kind of deals, you know. So much. As long as you don't get in a car with them, I guess you're cool. <laughs> right. I guess maybe, maybe the Trump COVID ride with the, with the Secret Service was the, to get karma for the Kennedy. Yeah, collect that up. Yep. Collective, collective punishment. It wasn't right? fair, but... So, so since we are in such a weird spot right now, we I like we're in some weird limbo state. But we know, I think we could, I'll I'll assume that all of us are on the same page with like, well, 
there's to- whatever the hell is going on right now, you know, behind the scenes type shit. But I mean, we can always speculate and that's always fun. So where do you think this is going? I guess to close out the evening, I guess, like, where do you, where do you see what's, what's, what are you seeing from this, Jeremy? I'm curious to know, like, what, how are you, you know, what's fitting into what in your brain, if anything at all, you know, or where, where do you see this going? Do you think it's going to be the way it is? Do you think with Biden setting up that office and that whole bullshit, you know, backdrop with office of the president elect, which is bullshit because technically he's not even the president elect until the electoral college comes in and deems him the president elect. Correct. I mean, if we go by, that's not the norm. The norm is that when the when it's sort of seen that he's likely right. to be the winner, they would use the civic the civic custom. It's not law, but the civic custom is is for it to be passed on, or at least some transition to begin primary, you know, right. preemptively or something. And what I guess there, I heard a few things earlier this afternoon about them. Com- the team is complaining that they're not getting the transition team is actually freaking out because they're yeah. not getting classified briefings. They're bugging out. I mean, it's just that's adds, mainly what I'm worried about is that that's, that's what I'm why saying. I mentioned a church off. Yeah, right. If they get that, that's that that rang that like little bell in my brain. Like, well, pay attention to whatever they're saying in the background here on this. Yeah. bullshit. And it ran through my mind like, shit. Yeah, if they got that, that kind of gives you the back. That gives you the keys to the whole kingdom, kind of. But then you got then you've also got you have these factions obviously working within um the current administration to undermine the current administration. There has to be. And then we've got the career bureaucrats, obviously just being grimy as usual, but I don't know. I don't know what to make of this. And I felt like last week at this time, after, you know, they crowned Biden and all that nonsense, I felt like, okay, this is going to be a weird, you know, weird couple next few days kind of and then hopefully something will kind of be put in place to where we'll have a little bit of clarity here it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case it seems like he's going to drag it out i don't know trump i I don't know though i I don't know i really this is a weird ass because i find it's like we're all asking each other like all right guys what how do we how do we approach this you know what i mean like I don't expect NPCs to really, you know, do much thinking here on this one. It's kind of like, okay, accept it for what it is and just move on. Try and move on with your life, whatever you have left of your life after COVID. But I feel like there's enough people out there that are, that do care enough that are now out of work per se, if you, if you want to go there, that don't have, that have a lot of extra free time on their hands to research, to do, you know, to look into these, some of these things, which that's, I don't know if the if our government should worry about something like that, but you'd think that they would on a on a certain level. But then also, you know, they put out so much nonsense to keep the you know the the play going, so to speak. I guess. So I don't know. I, it's a weird. It's just weird. It's kind of like we're looking to each other for any little inkling we might, one of us might not pick up, the other might pick up. I don't know. I really don't know what to make of this whole thing. I don't. And I've been asked yeah. by numerous people, and I don't know. I don't. I don't see any outright anything, but I mean, like I said, that one little thing rang my alarm. Kind of, the, kind of the idea, I think, right now is that we don't see where it's going to go. It's it's yeah, it's it's ma- mass confusion. I think is part of the part of the plan. Yeah, I mean, um, so um, 
I think I heard this story when uh, when Bill Clinton left the White House and uh, George W. Bush was was moving into the White House. The the Cl- the Clinton White House staff, somebody, they stole all the W's off off of all the keyboards on all the computers. It was like a prank. And I remember thinking that was that was so awesome and like hilarious and stupid and cool when that happened. That is pretty great. <laughs> it is. It's it's pretty awesome. I mean, if it's if it's a true story, I mean they're they're gonna have to buy a new new like damn they 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 charge the taxpayers all that money to they had to buy a new. Uh, At least it wasn't a hospital having to pay for that then, right? Exactly. <laughs> like like Seven like thousand. that kind of high hijinks was was kind of fun, kind of cool. But now there's like, you know, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm going to fight you. I'm going to fight you on it, you know, and then. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of put into the narrative, like the pre-programmed kind of whatever. Like, I think we all accepted that. No, yeah, he's absolutely and not play by any fucking schoolyard rules and kind of just, yeah, he's that asshole. So what do you expect? I mean, don't be surprised. I think we all knew this when he took office. I think it's things will continue to degrade. I yeah. think that I, I think our economy probably tanked. Not to be all black uh, pill, but to be like for real. Twelve what? years ago, it was like it crashed. Twelve years ago, maybe maybe sooner, maybe it's just kind of like a pendulum though. It goes up and it goes down and it goes up and it and it's it's leveling out. I mean, uh, unlimited growth is not sustainable. No. And, and bubbles burst, and they they have to re- reorganize everything. That's why, I mean, you, the only reason why you'd wear a mask all the time and close down all these businesses for multiple years, like I, I heard something like Bill Gates say, like it could be ten years. We'll we'll continue on this road until like there are zero cases of coronavirus. You know, like like that's that's a wet dream. Yeah, and it's and it's it's gonna erase any evidence of our monetary system as it as well, we understand it. Like maybe that's what people need is some some way to to reorganize and and you know they're gonna be like we want we want a revolution and then you know there's a vacuum because they don't know what it is. They burn their couch and tip some cars over, some police cars, and then they wake up in the morning and somebody else is sitting in the seat in the catbird seat, you know, pulling all the strings and we think they're cool, you know, for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like, okay, well, okay. They come riding in on a tiger with their shirt off and a machine gun, you know, in their hand. We're like, yeah, do it. Stick a sword in that guy. Yeah. Right in his butt, you know, (laughs) and no one ever gets the sword. Nope. We never get the sword. We never. Yeah. Yeah. Except for we do after that, because like if we if we speak up or like talk about it on our show, we get disappeared. Yeah, we we get the sword. The other people, the, the yeah, other exactly. folks being replaced don't get the sword. Yeah, yeah. It it definitely has that. Um, we're gonna have to keep our mouths shut, <clears throat> kind of to go with the flow of things. Because what what is it gonna take for the UN to basically come in here and tell us, all right, that's it, pack it up, like get it together. I'm. I'm. What. What. What do you think? What do you think it would take? You know, like, 
What's what's the? St- I don't think the UN would come in. They haven't done anything so far. Uh, so the, it, no, the, to no, me, no. it looks like the the plan is to let the United States. They're one of the plans is to let the United States basically just collapse upon itself. The whole combination of the the COVID let loose really, and civil society didn't make it work here. Like in right. certain countries, civil society sort of it didn't need to be lockdowns. It didn't need to be right. the government doing mandates. But civil society sort of passed around information about, uh, you know, taking care of your body and the best kind of, you know, use of distance or mask or however you want to do it. And they got together and knocked knocked it down a lot and didn't destroy their economy as much as we did. Right. And so to me, it feels like this is actually the, the plan here by some aspect. And the thing about like the financial crises they, whenever they are, the 2008 one was a big one. And it's, what's interesting is there is in, sort of intelligence chatter in the background that it comes in the wake of very dicey things at the end of the George W. Bush administration, where you have m- nuke, nukes going missing uh, from Minot Air Force Base in the Dakotas. Yep. Real massive stuff that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen unless it's a plant and someone stole it, basically. The highest levels of like U.S. Air Force nuclear you know, uh, forces, Stratcom, losing broken six arrow. new... Broken Arrow. Yeah, yeah Broken Arrow. Bro- gonna bring you? <laughs> so that So that happened in 2006, 2007, maybe 2007. And at the same time, there was the, the a, for, a woman who was formerly on the National Security Council named Gwyneth Todd. She's now gone. She's she's now lives in Australia, but she was at the time in Bahrain, I think, and working with like the Navy, and looked to have been framed actually in a run up to a potential false flag operation in that exact same time period, two thousand seven ish. It's basically a Dick Cheney operation. It looks like, um, and of course, Dick Cheney's office was the closest that was connected to the Office of Special Plans at the Pentagon. The sort of terrorist cell attachment run by Doug Fife and the neocons at the Pentagon that was then attached to the Israeli government under Sharon, where they were also running parallel sort of information warfare in the run-up of the Iraq war. So that then runs up to 2008, which looks to have been also, you know, these these economic deep, There's these are sort of deep oh, economic yeah. events of some sort that the of course wealth doesn't actually just disappear like okay the the the, the stock market goes down right so but where does the actual wealth go it's go it's, it's redistributed it to the the the, the shitheads like JP Morgan who got a, the fucking you know two days before the crash or whatever that collected all that up you know what i mean or bought yeah. all those bought all those and then oh here's uh we make you know 90 cents on the dollar you know pay the fine you know what i mean like whatever yeah. we'll just keep doing it uh there is no wealth, really. It feels like, but, but no, with what's happening with Bitcoin right now, you can, I can get a gauge on what's happening because just from looking at that and seeing it's 16, 3, 16, it's over 16 now. And over the summer, it was nine. It was like hovering on nine. It was like eight to nine, whatever. So, I mean, double your money, whatever. And if you kind of look at it through that lens, it's like, okay, we see who's hedging against the fiat shit dollar you know what i'm saying like so and no real heavy amount has gone in you know with a whale purchase so to speak either no huge whales yet so that tells me everybody's still in on the the fiat currency which is fine good that's whatever do it do whatever you're gonna do with that but um 
which is an, also a tell on this is how far away, you know, you can you can always gauge it by by prices and what it what it matches up to and what they think is going to happen. Um, I don't know what really happened with the Chinese dollar crashing on election night. Did that was, happen? Yeah, it crashed. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. And then it went, you know, it balanced itself back out, I guess. But yeah, it's a it's a weird. I, I don't I just don't know. It just feels like all of it just negative. Don't give us anything positive. But I mean, obviously, we know that there's if Trump pers- I don't see him win. I just, there's no path here. I don't I don't think he won the election. I don't either. <laughs> you know, but but, you know, what's interesting is what the, Rove is the indicator. Once once this sort of like hardcore Trump networks uh, started like Flynn and his lawyer and that, that network started going heavy towards the not not just voter fraud, but election fraud, like machine rigging. Karl Rove went totally silent and then basically says, oh, no, no, no. I think Biden I think Biden got it this time, you know. And so that's suggestive that Rove actually did do some rigging and he wants no one looking into anything involving any voting machines, whether Dominion or ES&S. The, the, the Trump, Trump folks are not looking into ES&S. So I, I don't know. My sense is that it was probably rigged in the other direction yeah. and that this Trump move is actually potentially it's bifurcated. It's potentially dangerous in terms of the move that he made at the that's top right. of the Pentagon and he removed the the head of the National Nuclear Security Administration. Uh, she used to have been in charge in in uh, of the, uh, the DOE has a secret nuclear bomb squad called Nest Nuclear Emergency something technician something, and they were out of the country on September 11th actually for the first time in three years. That's one way. That's another sort of area of evidence of some of these events, like even the Kennedy assassination. Certain key people are out of the country, are sent right. out of the country. And we know that what jets weren't scrambled. We know because they couldn't have been scrambled because he kept each, like the way the the Bush administration or it's Cheney's you know direction from what it appears to be. Oh, yeah, but, yeah. How they, these they jets- changed? I think in the summer of two thousand and one, there was a change uh via cheney and rumsfeld in terms of the protocol in terms of like shoot down protocol of some sort yeah all of it if you go back and look it's all he per it's set up so perfectly so nobody could so even if they were to have scrambled they would never have been able to have you know shot these things down none of it none of it's even possible because they were just so far away from their their respective from that respective area one of the Um, very strange scenarios that i the when we went to DC with We Are Change LA in two thousand and nine, I think it was. That was right after like uh, Biden actually came to LA, and we got in as press. And I asked him about nine eleven, and then the nanothermite paper had just come out. So I just asked him about that and nine eleven treason, and when he and Obama were going to ask the Department of Justice to do an investigation. And the whole event shut down and the Secret Service created a perimeter. But um, it was interesting. He took the paper into his hands and everything. And then soon thereafter, we went to, um, he handed the paper back to me. It's so weird. So weird. Now I'm thinking, I remember like uh, in when we were on the way back to the car, I made a joke about how the reporters were saying, 
you know, will you keep it on topic? Like they were angry with me because huh. we were supposed to be talking about public housing. And I, I linked it into public housing, but I said, don't we, in order to do proper public housing, don't we need to have rule of law and justice around 9-11 or something like that? And, you know, it was, it was adjacent, but it was fair. It's the scrum. It's the press right. pool. And, and I was making a joke on the sidewalk on the way back to the car. I was like, I was like, uh, will you keep it on? I was like, Vice President Biden, we just had a report that a, the CDC has released a plague that's going to kill, kill 5 billion people. Will you keep it on topic? So that's strange thinking back on that as the joke, you know, that, that uh, came to my head in that moment. But that wow. is what, and I have that on, on audio, actually. I, you know, maybe I'll p- Dude. put that up or something. But th- right after that, we went to D.C., uh, and I came up with the idea that we should put these scientific papers in a packet. And then, uh, and then my friend, he wrote up, uh, the, uh, sh- the cover sheet letter, and then we would put it in the key senators and representatives hands, like as a packet. So it's sort of making it semi-official that they've been told by the citizens what the facts of 9-11 are. And the day that we arrived to DC, there was this crazy train crash that killed like not, I think it killed nine people. And one of them was the head of the Air National Guard on September 11th uh, in D.C., David Worley. Uh, and so that was, that was, you know, no one else thought this. But to me, I was like, what the heck? This is very, very weird, you know. And uh, so, but at the very the, the wow. very least, there was some, like, cleanup, it seemed like to me, that was going on. This guy was knew what had happened. He was there to see something. He was a witness of something. Um, so, all right, so... Th- Back to our scenario, our situation here, these these economic deep events are obviously used to not only like fleece the people um, out of the value that's sort of been, you know, evaporated out of stock prices or whatever. And by the way, I just one tangential grift story out of COVID, which I just found out about. I can't believe we didn't hear more about this, but it's very much related, I think, Israeli his compromise of the highest levels of our cyber is the new head of the, it's a new uh, op, uh, uh, opera, operations division in the NSA called Cyber Defense. It's a directorate uh, in the NSA started by under Nakasone, General Nakasone. And the woman who who's chosen to run it is a, ma- a woman named Ann Neuberger, an Orthodox Jewish woman and sort of, is, you know, being, who's a big deal, I guess, for the Orthodox Jewish community. And she, her, first of all, she's married to an APAC official. She's married to an APAC executive. That's a, that's obviously a foreign lobby at the very least, if not a foreign agent, definitely with a background in espionage. And she's put in charge of our cyber defense. And then you go look that Kushner's roommate started, was start put in charge of a new U S agency during COVID to distribute funding. It was mainly done for foreign, I think, uh, work, but then they did it, did it domestically. And part of that was giving all this money to Kodak, which had gone out of business basically to yeah, like help. In New York. Yes. Yes, it yeah. is. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and then so they were then uh, alleged to have been lent hundreds of millions of dollars to, to be participate in developing either therapeutics or vaccines for COVID. I'm not sure out of a out of a film company. I don't know. What? But so this Newberger and Newberger's parents, her mom and dad, were part had bought up uh, three million dollars or some six million dollars in stock from Kodak. Um, 
or they'd actually purchase a large percentage of it and then six million dollars of it right as the this loan went through and it goes 30x in a few days the, the kodak stock and they wow. in the day of the sort of 30x so their six million goes to 180 million they put it into this basically this newly created it looks like orthodox congregation front company to keep it out of the taxes and we didn't we haven't heard any of this i mean there's there's a article in mother jones by david corn that sort of puts the daughter's position in parentheses in the middle of it titled the white house kodak controversy has a new angle a billionaire's huge stock gift to a synagogue and the uh, sub the subtitle has nothing to do and the daughter is the new head of NSA cyber defense who's married to an APAC official. What the fuck? This is some crazy shit. And then the deeper background, I won't get into it, but the, the, the article's titled The Mitzvah Factory by Roddy Boyd uh, in the Foundation for Financial Journalism. And it shows the deeper background of her dad's company that he started with the brother. It's real. It's some shady stuff going on. Um, so that's sort of what I'm concerned about right now in this transition is it looks like especially more and more, everyone's starting to hear about the dangers of the transition. This is like nine. what happened with 9-11. The 9-11 Commission told us all of this. This happened like, you know, with Bush v. Gore, Chert, Michael Chertoff, who's intimately involved in the, at very least the wake of September 11th and not criminally investigating September 11th as the head of criminal division justice. And he's on, uh, you know, on mainstream media or at least video of it talking about the dangers of this transition. So I am concerned that the, there's this bifurcated possibility with Trump where they actually go for the gusto and sort of deploy the shock troops and really try to sort of delay the situation to where the, the, count, where the count is not even sort of seen as valid anymore and we don't know actually what happened or something like that. And this, the head of this, you know, replacing the national nuclear security, and then also the head of the Pentagon, the group right underneath there, um, Tata and um, Ezra Cohen-Watnick, and these guys, Tata himself bragged about being on the ground in Gaza with the IDF. People don't even think it's true because it's so outrageous for a U.S. Uh, military official to be on the ground in Gaza. They think he might be just bragging or lying about it. Mm. But at very least, it shows his close intent. And right now, there's a lot of activity starting to brew in the Middle East. And all right. of these guys that Trump put at the head of the Pentagon right now are Iran, serious Iran hawks. So my concern is either... Yeah, in, war, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then he can't, because we're at wartime, you don't change the president. That And that's that's my... yeah. That's kind of my biggest fear. Yeah. So either like they the actually sort of get something going and maybe Netanyahu or UAE, someone in the Middle East sort of sparks it and then we're drawn into it. But the the chatter is, is that it would probably be like a, a naval ship, a U.S. naval ship would be hit in the Middle East and either by or at least blamed on Iran. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then the United States, we would respond, allegedly respond to Iran then Iran would, there would be, now there's a whole scenario of people can go look at Whitney Webb's recent reporting about Israeli intelligence deep within our cybersecurity critical infrastructure under the guise of COVID actually, yep. and hospitals and data and working with highest levels of homeland security and all of that. And so they've been starting to core, like, you know, choreograph or like at least pre-script 
uh, a potential cyber attack, or even think about Q, about 10, 10 nights, dark, the dark 10 days of darkness. Oh, yeah. yeah. With and I think that was like going out. Yeah, and wasn't that the recent message that Q finally came out with was actually said from dark to light? We have to go, sometimes you have to go through the dark mm -hmm. to get to the light. Yeah. So that may be literal, and it may be that in sort of in relationship to a sort of Gulf of Tonkin type of scenario, and then an American or and or Israeli response to that, then, it, then there is a cyber, uh, quote-unquote, response or attack in the U.S. that's then uh, alleged to have been Iran. That's my con sort of my concern about where it might be headed either during the transition but then this 9-11 signaling then suggests that it actually might just be like 9-11 where we're then you know still dealing with the sort of covid covid response covid tyranny under under biden harris and then in that first year similarly to the first year of bush there's some kind of incident Buffering, or event yeah. happens then it's probably cyber where that they're sort of architecting the next generation cyber and sort of in critical infrastructure. So that's, that's the sort of geopolitics that I'm concerned about and that we need to keep our eye on. And then COVID is COVID and we need to, I think we need to, it's obvious they're going to try to be as coercive as possible around the vaccines. Obviously. And there's yeah. going to be levels of pressure. We've already been under serious, you know, biological war and threat here in this country for a long time from the food to the water sure. to, the, to the vaccines to all that type of stuff so people and people who are parents already know what it's like to be under sort of coercive pressure around medical regimes and stuff like that so they're going to ramp it up sure Ticketmaster is going to start announcing and you know about <laughs> your, your data card your health card or something yep. like that but a lot of that's going to be sort of testing the you know, yeah PR. It's, a, it's a temperature gauge you a know temperature I mean? check right that's right yeah it's like you're taking the time making sure and it's like okay and since it's real time now for the f not yeah yeah i mean it's real time so i'm wondering when we start seeing things that normally get would be censored or how is that making it to, you know what I mean? On social media, that's when we can kind of, I've learned that's like a tell that that's what they're, they, it seems to be that that's what they're doing is taking the temperature by allowing this shit out there and letting it fester for a little bit, but then it'll come down later. Right. But for the meantime, this stuff, because they're in the early stages or whatever, I don't know what to really do, like take away from it, but I just know it's a, it's a signal usually so if you start noticing odd things that you would normally oh that's hate speech normally huh? how's that even up think about it for a second just look some something else is going on more than likely i yeah, don't know. know it's usually a tell it's weird i think that um you know this the winter the whole dark winter is it going to be a dark winter or the darkest winter it's already I mean, a dark winter i mean yeah at 4 30 for christ's sake that's so. true and then you add COVID on top of it, and it's obvious that there is some kind of serious escalation of, you know, forget about cases per se, because obviously the testing is not the. I never, I haven't been, I haven't been, well, but Elon Musk was also the one who guaranteed that this would be gone in April or something like that. And so Elon Musk, sure, he woke up to that the testing is funky months, months, months later. But serious analysts haven't even been paying attention to testing per se. We've been paying attention to yep. the, the, uh, what the nurses have been saying on the ground and what families in relationship to people who have had severe cases are saying about their situations, not only including death, but also including long-term... Like, uh, long 
yep. brain stuff, testes stuff, organ stuff. This, in some ways, it looks like a airborne, uh, you know, immune system disease of some sort. It's really, and it's interesting that hydroxychloroquine is used with lupus, whereas it's also yep. an effectuator. It's a, you know, uh, um, an ionophore of zinc in a, in a way that works to help deliver zinc to the intracellular space to basically help knock out the virus. So I think we need to not get stuck in the sort of like lockdown anti-mask uh, stuff, but actually help. Yeah, that's it's not it's a silly hill to die on because to me it looks like there's a serious plague happening. Sure, it's not Ebola, it's not yeah, you know it's, not, it's yeah yeah, and and we should also be reasonable about like it's not an either or. It's not like sort of like ma- maskologists like or people who make religion out of mass because it is probably the case that like 1918 that some of the bacterial infections that were came on top of the viral stuff probably was related to bad bad mask uh, hygiene. So to me, from the very beginning, I've been actually putting forth like DIY salt masks, which actually work to destroy the virus uh, because of its crystalline, uh, it actually, the sort of virus can get sort of denatured by the spikes in a properly prepared like uh, salt-based crystalline structure. You can also use like actual antivirals, uh, like copper sulfate, stuff like that. You can research how to make things work for yourself. And so I think that we, we, I, we don't want to either go sort of either way absolutist and at the same time talk about maintaining our own immune system, the basics, you know, the vitamin C, the vitamin D, the zinc, uh, even b- like bone broth, real bone broth, not Alzheimer's right. freeze-dried crap, but like, you know, <laughs> like actual bone broth. Right. Uh, with uh, organic cider vinegar and, and sea salt and stuff like that. It's very, it can be very healing in the case of difficult, you know, uh, stuff like that. And so, I, and it's interesting that even the guy, who's the guy, um, he's not the head of the CDC, but the head of one of the health agencies, he even said at some point, he's like, the, the mask is actually more effective than the virus may ever be in terms of actually defending you potentially and defending others. He said right. that. And so that's something actually to take advantage of, I think, especially as this, the evidence begins to come out of how potentially fraudulent the presented science uh, related to the novel vaccines and M- mRNA. And meanwhile, like the actual American civil society needs to be pushing serious, pragmatic, reasonable alternatives that also are not about locking down the entire society and entire yeah, economy, yeah. but being being responsible and being smart both for yourself and for uh, for others. And so I think that is going to be the big battle next year of every individual, obviously, and then ongoing geopolitical battles, depending on how this whole Trump-Biden thing resolves. Right. Yeah, I think that, that feels right to me. I mean, the the whole... Uh, I've never taken the stance of I don't believe that this is a thing, kind of, you know what I mean? Like, or or whatever, that there's no such thing as viruses either. I've also been critical but i've had friends i'm not going to keep bringing it up but yeah one of my best friends whatever you know kind of thing like yeah so i don't know i don't i, I mean either way i think it's smart point you but put how about in, the comedian known as andy kaufman oh yeah we won't even nope <laughs> no play here. um no, but the thing is is to to Man. make 
Yeah, right. Uh, no, I, th- I think it's important, though, what you said. It's super important to not, it's not an either or situation. It's not, you know what I mean? It's not that clear cut. And just don't, because of this, don't automatically resort to B, you know? Don't just, it's just like, but I don't know. I, I the fear thing, it's not like, yeah, there, there's the fear around it is like some Ebola type shit, right? I mean, like where people are, you know, not walking on, but, you know, we're seeing, you know, trucks of dead bodies type shit or had a direct con, you know, some night of living dead type shit where, you know, similar, similar numbers of people die of diarrhea every year. Yeah. And the flu is also down 90% this year too, guys. So I don't know what to tell you. Um, Whatever. We know there's frigging in the rigging. That's the point, right? I mean, that's all we really need to know. And then we can proceed from there. If we want to be pragmatic in terms of our both our knowledge and our response, and it is, of course, like we saw the pictures from China and the way the Chinese government, you know, dealt with it so severely with and so suited up and everything, it gave right. the vibe of, you know, people oh, were on edge, yeah. you know, and yeah. how serious this is. And there, it, we should right be point. honest also that we don't know, it's, it would be silly to, to imagine that you know that how that it's not that serious, even even if, let's say, just 0.1% of people die or something like that. We still don't know. There's a lot of people who have long-term situations here that they're dealing with, and we don't know how it affects men's testes over the long term, even children. Like, this is a big, it's a lot of dice rolling to be doing with the yeah. next generation to just be like, just open up the schools, put your children, yeah. get they, they, yeah. it doesn't affect them. You have no clue how it's affecting their organs and all of that. So we want to err on the side of safety. Right. But that also includes uh, the err on the side of safety of our life and our economy and all of that. And so that's sort of the radical middle path sort of right. figures all of those things out. Yeah, man, that was, that's well summed up. And it's Just true. Just don't do stupid shit all the time, people. Right. Yeah. Well, half the time. Like, 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 do stupid shit at home. Yeah. Like, right. cough into your armpit, like, shake hands with your elbows. And yeah, I don't, don't know. Don't get involved in telling other people what to do all the time. That, yeah, that, that's it, too. That's stress, stressful, both, you know, for everybody. Like cortisol is, is, pretty bad for you yeah that's true it's bad over the long term so i don't know so but that also means like you know to to take to think about other people's cortisol levels even if you even if you imagine it's sort of like their illusion or something like that but i would say that like hvac watch out try to really should stay out of like hvac system big hvac systems indoors over the winter as much as we can and yep. of course, like the people, the the proper response at the beginning of this thing was to stock up a little bit on the basics. So you, at the very least, you didn't. And everyone shamed everybody for buying toilet paper and food and all that. But that was the right response, actually, because then you could watch for what it was and didn't have to either, you know, put other people in danger or put yourself in danger yeah. by going into sort of big HVAC spaces every week to get your to get your needs met. Right. You know, so and with one last thought I had about politically about what I think, because no matter what happens with the election selection scenario, there are se- severe divides. They're yeah. violent divides, as we saw today in the streets of D- D.C. And the one thing that I would propose is that I think that we the we see political violence. Think about how have you ever seen a video of of like almost like a 
like a hip hop rap battle of like political ideas out on the streets. How many videos have you seen of like people clocking people and like, you know, taking them down and all that? I haven't seen a single video of like a like Infowars versus the left on a debate, what? like, you know. And so what I would propose and what I one of the one things that I learned being a hip hop teacher to young people, even though I wasn't a very talented teacher in general, I could understand how powerful hip hop was as an expression. And so I almost imagine that our situation is similar to what hip hop culture faced as a solution to the weapon, you know, the war, the crack warfare against, you know, sort of, uh, you know, the Bronx and, and all of that in, in the sort of 70s and 80s. And that the response was, let's turn, you know, the Puerto Rican on black, uh, you know, gang violence. Let's turn that to banging on wax or banging on cardboard or banging on uh, brick walls and uh, all of that kind of stuff. And that's a, especially for young men. That kind of energy of like aggressive, con confrontational, uh, comp competitive energy yeah. is crucial. It's so crucial and it needs to be learned how to be channeled. So obviously, the, you know, my stance has always been martial arts, not martial law. Right. But then more specifically in this political moment with the big divide, I would advocate for that we model and teach, especially the young divided men, how to like bang out their political differences and their political ideas with facts and serious analysis in the public as much as possible. And that in the absence of that, in the vacuum of that, we're going to see the spilling out of the political warfare and the disinformation based violence, stochastic uh, disintegration of American civil society. So that's what I'm advocating for, for 2021 is bang your political ideas on on you know in terms of like compet competition of 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 skills and analysis and rhetoric um rather than sort of like slugging someone you don't know in the street exactly. or like you know doing something on twitter or facebook outing somebody or something like that yeah doxing somebody thinking yeah doing something yeah it's ridiculous that's that's a good way to sum it up too man seriously um if only Very well said thank you i don't know the last time i heard of a decent battle, honestly, going line for line. I, I don't remember. I mean, maybe yeah. I don't. I don't know what's going on in the in on you know on uh, what station is that in New York? What is that? Isn't that the Breakfast Club? Don't they run that station now? Yeah, yeah, yeah Hot ninety seven. Hot ninety seven. That's right. Hey, uh, I, I heard a rap battle tonight. Actually, um, I, I was I was working and uh, at work, I they they built a the city built a homeless camp like and put it right down by my work so like all these all these folks like do the do the walk down the street from the from the 711 store to the homeless camp you know like every night with yeah. the curfew time yep there's a pretty pretty tight little badass uh battle going on when I when I left I was like wow That's sweet <laughs> nice dude must be a <laughs> Nice. It's be Saturday night. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Getting, getting ready for Weaving Spiders Welcome. Oh, <laughs> yeah, man. They must have been doing. Must have. But, um, yeah, I think we're going to wrap it there, guys. Thank you for hanging out with us. Gone thank you all for, for having me. Four hours. Dude, Jeremy, thank you for hanging out a bunch. Really appreciate you, man. And uh, Definitely. Yeah. Where they can find you online, everything. You want to give that info? Jeremy WRK on Twitter and then the 
Antidote, A-N-T-E-D-O-T-E, um, on YouTube and Patreon. And then our program in Kansas City called Understanding Israel-Palestine Beyond the Walls. And we'll probably have some podcasts sort of uploaded and available uh, soon there, too. Sweet. Now I got Thank MLP. You. Very now cool. I got MLP stuck in my head. <laughs> Annie up. Annie up.